so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity's rebel. M-O-L-M-M. What? Feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, that's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto-tune that, put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Six hours later. Y'all done got diggly pain. You done got diggly pain. Nope. No. No. Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that never loses its gun and wow, that never loses its gun and badge, and definitely remembers everything we've ever done on the pod leading up to here. Every drink, every song, we never forget what we're doing here, right now, where we are, who we are, when is happening right now. I am. My name. That's that's the one that stumped you. Uh, my, my I, me. Yeah, I'm Raphael Ambrosius Cousteau, uh, and I'm here on purpose uh, with good intent and a good reason to be here because of my fellow man who I'm here with supporting. No, no, no. Keep keep going. And please. I am a motherfucking superstar podcaster. That being said, with me today, we're not even a third of the way through this, by the way. That being said, with me today is my long lost brother and co-host. Just just say my name because you know it because you know my name. Just say it out loud. Calling in over the airwaves using an old busted transmitter <laughs> he probably found in the sand near a forgotten dilapidated playground. The hair on his arms raises as he looks around and sees that. While he's surrounded by family and loved ones, he can't escape the feelings of solitude and ennui, a life of lists and achievements, one more paper, one more presentation, one more promotion, but still never quite reaching complete inner fulfillment. Like looking into the ocean at night, in the dark, his vision can't quite find a singular focus point. Is it his age, the growing fatigue, or that all-night bender that's left him emptier than the night before? As he shifts uncomfortably in his chair, the floorboards creak beneath him, and he tries to keep this constant question from his mind. Will he ever be a host of Lone Moral Fiber, or will he always be condemned to the degraded station of simply co-host of Lone Moral Fiber? Jason Helms, everybody. How's it going, man? Hey! You knew my name. I'm proud of you. Are you doing better than last month physically? No, I'm doing much worse. Much worse. Cool. Sweet. All right, moving on. But I got surgery, and I'm recovering from the (laughs) surgery, so uh, my body is falling apart. Okay. Due in large part to my disco lifestyle. Too bad there's no surgery for your existential dread that you face every single day whenever you think about this podcast. Right. And joining us from the eastern coast of the continent, a colder and much more historic region, along with that history comes long forgotten memories of wars and strife, both won and lost. Though today's residents fill their lives with the hustle and bustle of insignificant jobs and hobbies, family and friends, drinks on the weekends, charcuterie boards, and gluten free ciders, it's all manufactured diversion, keeping them from ever seeing the true oppression they'll never face or truly overcome. And despite the surrounding poverty and starvation, pollution and sorrow, the capitalist machine of the state turns on. And like an insulindian phasmid emerging out of the reeds, the stars have aligned for this chance encounter today. And though a celebration would seem appropriate, it only evokes despondence at the very idea of how many podcasts we could have recorded together sooner, if only we'd pushed through that two millimeter hole in the world and into the pale beyond. Welcome, Keo the Squanderer, the greatest of the Keoian kings of Jersey, son of Keo the Second, the opulent, father of Keo the Fourth, the insane. <laughs> Keo, don't call me Kuno Edmondson. How's it going, man? <laughs> that was a lot. Ah, <laughs> yes. that voice coming from? Hey, guys, it's great to be here. Thank oh, you for amazing. having me. Amazing. I appreciate yeah. it. This is going to be 
this is going to be very, very long and drawn out. I, yeah, I, I yeah, get I the feeling. So Pack the pigs up, Kuno. Pack them up. Oh, oh God. God. Kuno. We'll, we're, we'll get to oh, that, man. I'm sure. But good Lord. You know, Kuno, Kuno made me question what was yeah. going on and whether I should just pull the plug from the PlayStation and just never come back to it. I didn't know what. Yeah. I mean, I just started playing the game because Corey was oh, yeah. podcasting probably her own podcast. And I just was looking for something to do. And I hadn't played the PlayStation in about three months. So I turned it on. and I'm like, oh, there's this game. Disco Elysium. I'm not going to give yeah, the game we'll away, it. but yeah, yeah. We, we can get into it. Anyway, I started playing the game before I knew this is a game that you guys were going to be uh, discussing. Oh, nice. And I just was like, what the hell? Yeah. And then I was I was like, you know, the, the language from these two kids in the courtyard <laughs> is immediate. And it's like, yeah, what? Yeah. And then the voices and everything. And I, ah, OK. And I, I was like, I don't know if this is a yeah. game. I don't know if this is a game. I'm not sure what the goal is. That's a good question. Uh, maybe I stumbled into some like, you know, mm. preface to the game or I didn't know what it was. So I was like, oh, what is this? And then Corey saw me playing and uh, I couldn't I couldn't stop playing after a certain point because I'm like, come on. But Kuno. Kuno, man. Uh, Let's just go through each of our histories real quick with it. I started playing this when it came out in 2019, 2018. Can't recall. And it was not voiced. It, it's changed a ton mm. since I played. Totally it. different game. It's now called uh, Deluxe Edition, something like that. But they just Final uh, Cut. Final Cut. But it's uh, anybody who bought the original, you get the Final Cut, right? You can continue updating. Yeah, 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 yeah. For you. Okay, uh, yeah. But it's on PC only forever. And then I think it was the yeah. last year that it mm. came to all the other systems. Yeah, twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. It was like a combination of that where it trickled mm -hmm. through all the other consoles and systems and everything. Yeah. Uh, I think our our view of the Edmondson household was, yeah, let's play this game. It's a Jason, mm. you, were, you you pitched it. It's a longer game. So we're like, oh, that's good because we take January off. So we'll play it throughout January. It'll be our February game. Good time to get to it. And you warned us like every day for the first week. You're like, make sure you get on it. This isn't a game you can start three days before and just muscle through. Get on it. So I started. I started in like mid-December and, and I finished last night, by the way. So I'm glad I started early. Um, oh. I was also playing a couple other games, but still, like, I probably, I don't know, I should check the hours, but 30 plus hours, I think. I tried to do pretty every side quest I could. And, like, immediately we're like a weekend, we're like, hey, Core, how's it going? Did you get to start it yet? And Jason's like gently being like, hey, maybe start it now. And I think her Slack response was basically like, I hate this game. I can't play it anymore. <laughs> we're like, how far did you get? She was like, the first 10 yeah. minutes. We're like, well, all right. Yeah. <laughs> do you know anyone? She's like, well, Keo's already been playing it for a while. So, so that's why Keo's here today, <laughs> filling in for Corey. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad someone in your household uh, enjoyed or got addicted to it. And I will say for me, Disco Elysium has just been on like lists of game top tens and game award. Like I've known of it, but I had, I had never. It just looked like, like a game that I wouldn't want to play. I, I think because it has that kind of like top down three quarter view. I forget the name of that. Um, isometric. Ice. Thank you. That's exactly what it is. That isometric view. It looked like like a weird board game, like puzzle game RPG. And it totally is an RPG, but it's not an yeah. RPG that I think of like a JRPG. It's an RPG like, like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. You're literally rolling dice for checks. Uh, and it, yeah, the dialogue mm. feels very dungeon master with like the narrator going along, playing parts of your body and, and different checks, rhetoric checks, your limbic system, stuff like that. Very much reads like a novel. And we'll get into why that is. I do want to jump in at, at some point and talk about the difference between JRPGs and CRPGs. 
uh, computer role-playing games. Oh, and, yeah. And um, which interesting distinction right there, Japanese versus computer, as though, as though that's the uh, the binary. Yeah, right, right. Like Mac versus PC. Right. Uh, more like Mac versus France or something. It's like, wait, what? Right, those right. aren't parallel. Those aren't competing things. And we, we can talk a little bit about why it exists that way, why that, that distinction kind of uh, got created. Uh, but first, I, I kind of wanted to do the same thing. Uh, you know, Keo, you just talked through that, that initial kind of off-putting, but also... I, I can't stop, right? Yeah. Like it's it's like something you try a, a yeah. taste and you're like, oh, I don't know about that, but I will have another bite, huh? Huh? Yeah, and it's kind of like these games that you have to they have to grab you with something. Like if you're demoing a game at like a convention or something, and you you know you create a character and people can get real stuck on that, but if you can get somebody to to play through a first couple scenes and see what the walkthrough is like. I think that's what kind of hooks people in. I mean, that's the reason for demos, I guess, too. But, but yeah, it's kind of... But there was that point where just getting into it, you're like, I and might yes. put this down. I might totally. just put this down. And, and Ben, you, I would describe our initial texts around it were, you were a harder out than that. You were like, no... Not only am I not into this game, but this game sucks. I can categorically say it's a bad game. Wow. Made by bad people for bad reasons. It's dumb and I hate it. Okay, maybe not I not exactly those words. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there was a part of me that after the oh, first wow. day in the game, I was I which was I don't know, three to five hours, I I bounced and was just like I don't which is our that's the storyline of Mulf is probably like Jason pitching a game. Me being like, I don't know. And then a couple hours in, me being like, I'm out, dude. This is this sucks. I'm not clicking with it. And then 10 hours in or 20 hours in, me being like, this is the greatest game ever made. This is only for geniuses and niche people like me. I'm so smart. And then it wins all the game awards because everybody plays it and everybody loves it. But <laughs> like the fact that it like speaks to me on a level that's like, this is speaking directly towards me. Like, I, yeah, it. It's weird how it takes that that bell curve, right? Of like, okay, I'm getting into it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate, oh my god, this is amazing. Like, half of our games are like that. I feel like, and I, I I do think there are some reasons specific to Disco Elysium that did that here, right? Yeah. In other words, I think its first few hours are actually less inviting than a lot of games. Yeah. Um, and and there's some some things we can talk about there. Inscription like in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quickly, just to talk about kind of what the game is. Then we'll get into the development and kind of our own yeah. experiences with yeah, the yeah. gameplay. The game is a CRPG, a computer role-playing game. And the tradition of CRPGs comes out of Dungeons & Dragons um, explicitly, right? The original oh, CRPGs. Yeah, they were using uh, D&D's rule sets uh, and changing things, you know, mildly. So you've yeah. got uh, attributes like uh, strength and intelligence uh, and intelligence versus wisdom and strength versus uh, agility and those kinds of things, right? And the the other tradition in role playing games uh, also comes out of D&D. But in Japan, rather than them being on personal computers, they were on consoles. And so uh, on the, the Famicom, on the original Nintendo, throughout the Super Nintendo, you see these Japanese role playing games that really simplify a lot of the character creation and focus uh, more on telling a linear story. So you get a very nonlinear, very open ended story on um Western, so American and European computer role-playing games are all about this just really open, the story can go wherever you want. The Japanese version is a much more, we're going to prepare kind of a campaign for your character to go through. A couple ways to get there. And we're, and both sides are using the same kinds of dice rolling mechanics around combat. They just kind of display them to you in different ways. Now, this one combines from both, because it actually is a fairly linear story that you can do a lot of side quests along the way. 
right? Mm -hmm. There's a, there's, we get caught, I think, in feeling that, that uh, Disco Elysium is very open because it really, really is. And yet the story itself is somewhat linear. It has a a start. It has a a beginning, middle and end, right? They do a a good job of talking about, I can't remember the term they use, but it's like micro autonomy, which is basically like, Mm -hmm. you don't change the entire plot necessarily, but you'll change conversations with people and you'll change stats and relationships, even though the story is going to be pretty much the same no matter what. Which it felt it felt really good. I felt like a good balance, and that that very much to me is yeah that JRPG side of it. And I just want to point out one more thing, and then Q, I'm going to go to you, which is yeah the way that stats work in this game. You are doing checks to see like can I get through this door? Yeah, but most of the checks can that I are happening sit in this chair. Yeah, most of the checks that are happening <laughs> uh-huh. are constant and are behind the scenes. Right, they're more like perception checks from D yeah. wisdom check, this kind of thing, empathy check. Yeah, and all the names are changed to things like Empathy, uh, I Was Very High, and not Arcane, but Inland Empire. Right. Which right. is a reference to, to David Lynch. Yeah. Shivers. Yeah. yeah. And each mm-hmm. of your stats has a voice and is a voiced character that talks to you. And because of that, you get, they each get their own kind of personality. Yeah. And so it's a very different, it's a, it's a very strange game to play. Very little combat. Yeah. And, and yet yeah. lots and lots of checks. The voices are great. God, the voices are so good. I, I felt guilty not listening to the, the voice actors complete the phrasing because yeah. sometimes yes. you're just like, I got to get through this. I got to get through this. I got a podcast on Saturday, <laughs> right, so now right. I'm just going to rifle through this. But sometimes I would just leave it and let them let finish because it is a lot. A lot. It is a lot of voiceover. That's a lot. I'm impressed by that. And so to give like a, a quick example of what that feels like, right? You're talking to someone and... It'll say empathy, success, 12 out of 11, right? In other words, you rolled dice and you scored a 12 on those dice and the check was 11. And you say, you really feel like this person has uh, some mystery that they're not talking about. You're like, oh, okay, so we can investigate that. But more often than not, it would be perception, failure, nine Mm -hmm. out of 12. And you're like, "Uh, uh uh-oh. And then they would next say, everything here seems very safe. And you're like, oh, no, bud. Yeah. Oh, it's not safe at all. Oh, yeah. And what I don't like is I feel like you fail a role and all your choices are bad choices. And you know you're making a bad choice, but now you have to make that bad choice. So which bad choice will I make? And I just make make everyone because I want to complete it. I want to know all the bad things you could possibly say. Totally. At least that was my initial thing. I'm like, I'm going to play this guy just as as off the wall as I can play him, which is hard. This is hard to do. You have to really commit to it. Hard to not be like a horrible, horrible human being if you're going to play that way. <laughs> yeah, you really got to you really got to say, I don't I don't care about the storyline. I'm going to play this guy to a T, which is yeah. difficult because, you know, all, all the elements in there, your, you know, your sidekick, Kim, it's like it's you would you would basically have to ignore yeah. Kim. Just ignore Kim completely, and I—I I don't know. It's hard. For, it's, or I, I, there's a world in which you and Kim get matching leather gang jackets, and yours says "fuck the world," and oh, his yeah. says yeah. "piss bleep something." Yeah, you wouldn't wear something. it when I got him. Oh, oh, we wore them together. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, you did. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I didn't. I should have done the thought. What's the thought thing yeah. you do? I, that you're getting empathy with Kim. I didn't do that one early on. Oh, yeah. I didn't understand the mechanics of that. So I was like, oh, I didn't realize you could spend uh, points to to expand that section. Blah. Yeah, that was, yeah, was, that took me a while too to understand. Probably half the game where I was like, I guess I'll put a point here. I don't know what that does. How do I get points? Sometimes I use them for my thought. Yeah. Tree. I'm still on my first yeah. playthrough. Oh, so. oh, wait, you haven't finished it yet? If 
Oh no! No, I haven't. Oh, okay. I've gotten pretty far, but I was able to spoil it so hard for okay. you. I'm so sorry. It's all right. I, I I've gotten as far as uh, we confronted Ruby. Oh, cool! And uh, so that's as far as I've gotten. I did that yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like it's there because now the game's starting to give me yeah. things. You know, I've got all these different outfits I can put on. If I don't, if I want to do a white check, I'll just go. Yeah. You know, put on my my drama suit or something and come back. Yeah, I like that part of it. It's fun. And the, yeah, the to do list is getting smaller and smaller by this point. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. You feel like five days is the is the goal? Is that the game goal to kind of get you into this? And you, you can go as far as ten. I think. Wow. And you can win it as early as five. Okay. I was wondering that if it was early as five because I've slept every night. I was wondering if you didn't sleep at all, could you do it in two or three days? But I guess you're waiting for other people to do things. Speed freak, just go. Yeah. Just go. One of the endings is that you die of exposure. And I assume that that's just if you don't go back to the world in rags at night. Like, eventually you have to go to bed. Lots of benches to sleep on, yeah. I mean, I died I died in the first, you know, the first thing, you know, waking. Yeah. Trying to get yeah, the tie. Just waking yeah. up, get the tie. Died of heart attack. Like, oh, I should put more points into my, my physical. I got trapped having a conversation with Everett because. <laughs> yes. Amazing. <laughs> I didn't have any health left. Yeah. And I didn't have anything I could do. And yet you have to sit in this uncomfortable chair that will shave like just one health thing off of your yeah. bar while you sit there. And I kept sitting in it and there was nothing I could roll to get through it. And I would just die and be back in the room. And I was like, I, I can't do anything. Yeah. I'm just trapped. I'm soft blocked. I looked it up and, it, and it's like, technically you're not soft blocked. Here's how you can get out of there. Oh, and I, and I had to leave. Like I started a conversation with effort. I couldn't sit down in this chair. So I was like, Sorry, bud. I got to go home and go to sleep. Otherwise, I'm going to die because oh, I've smart. died six times in your stupid, uncomfortable chair. How many how many health blocks do you have? Because I, I tried going with I had one left at that point. I, yeah, I tried rolling with just one. I'm like, and I didn't know. So I, I, I went back and gave myself two. And that's that's enough. Yep. But I didn't I didn't have yeah. any meds. Like I was all out. I had nothing. Like, how did we get in this situation? <laughs> I feel like the game went quickly from me being like, I have two two blocks of health and morale and like one or two of like the bottles or whatever the hell you know the things that could fill it up to within a few hours i had five of each and had like five extra bottles and stuff yeah hour four is i have no skills i have no equipment um i'm going to die if someone uh insults my yeah. pants yeah. i don't know where to sleep <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I will just i will just have ha i'll just have a nervous breakdown that's what my character is right now he dies every time i play and I hate it. And this yeah. game is too tough. I'm a sorry cop with nowhere to sleep. Hour five is like, I have all of the medication I want. I have all of the money I want. No, that was not hour five. That was not hour five. I would not walk around. But I'm, whatever it is, it's, if, if it's hour four and five, <laughs> it's like hour eight and nine. For me. But it's like, for me, it was like, I have nothing. And then an hour later, oh, I finally have everything. If you're exploring enough, it depends. Yeah, if you have the right perception to see it and, and find stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a moment where everything switched and maybe it wasn't an hour, but it was like, I really felt like I'd been playing so long with my back against the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly my character goes to bed, wakes up the next morning and everything's great. I have too much money. Should we get back into setting up the game? Yeah. 20 minutes into yeah. the podcast. So yeah, you play. Let, well, let's do uh, uh, development. Well, I don't even, you oh, play sorry. as a spoiler. So you play a person who wakes up in a hotel of this like trashed room. You're, it takes, the whole game takes place in the fictional city or the fictional district of Martinez in the city, the war-torn city of Revachal, 
which was like used to be the capital of the world 100 years ago. There was a bunch of wars and things and it's just everything's crumbling. It's as bad as a city as you can think of. And you just wake up in this like hotel room. And the first thing you have to do is put your clothes on. And that's when you start learning how to like roll for whatever it might be constitution and like all these things like figure out how to put your pants on get your tie that's hanging off of something and all these turn the light switch on your tie is hanging on a uh, ceiling fan above you spinning around yeah and if the first thing you try and do is just grab that tie while it's spinning without turning off the fan you can fail a roll and just like break your neck and die and many people have that experience you're a very unhealthy character yes there's not not a lot of ways around that one uh should we i feel like anything after that could be a spoiler what, what one other piece yeah there's a little spoiler to be had but the the overall is you are a cop uh investigating a murder and there are lots of suspects that you will learn you will have a partner named kim who will show up and the suspects are going to relate to a union dispute going on in the city the uh victim was on one side in this labor dispute many of the the key figures are on the other mm. side or on the victim side and the history of Revishal, its history of being a war-torn place, um, particularly the center of a communist revolution that was put down by uh, the liberalists, the the moral intern. The, liber- the moral intern, yeah. And that uh, basically the the Democrats won. Uh, we could we could call them the conservatives, but it's I mean here it's pretty close. What they're describing as the moral intern is pretty, pretty much straight line Democrat in the U.S. Yeah. State controlled everything. The communists were all put down 50 years ago and they lost their great revolution. And this is the world that we live in now. And I say all of that because basically all the things I just said are central to solving the case. You befriend some cryptologists along the way. Like you can do so many random things and each random thing in the entire game feels like, ah, now this silly, stupid thing. I, I helped some kids who wanted to start a, a drug den, who wanted to st- deal drugs, I yeah. helped them turn a church into a dance hall instead and got them off the streets. And all of those things that I'm just describing were all central to solving the mystery. They yeah. all come together in the end in shocking ways, which is just super fun. Even the silliest of things. Not that there's anything wrong with the drug den. There's nothing wrong with the drug den. And maybe nothing. Maybe there still is one. We're not. I'm not going to judge. Yeah, that, I mean, you <laughs> I, have those options. I my cop shut it down. Really? But uh, oh. but there were other options. There's always options. Yeah, yeah. So there are always many, many, many options. Yeah, and that's the other thing is I guess there are. We can mention that he's a cop, right? That's not a. Yeah. You find that out in the first 15 minutes. I think I did. Uh, I just make sure that we. Yeah, but there's different capo types that you can choose. Yes. I don't have the list here. Maybe I should, but well, there's I don't choose. Choose as a stretch along your dialogue options and choices. The choices you make impact which capo type you are leaning most heavily toward. Yep. Is that fair? But there's no way to look. You can't look up your stats and know which direction you're going, can you? Because I don't I didn't. There's a thing. There is a point in the game. I think around where you are, there's a thing that says in your um, and maybe it already happened. I can't remember what starts it. It might be like a constitution check that does it or something, but it says in your in your notes or your journal, okay. on the right side of your journal, there's all your stats listed out. It says like how many times you've chosen sorry cop, how many times you've chosen hobo cop, how many times superstar, like all, all eight of those. And it also says like uh, politics, how many times you've chosen uh, free market, how many times you've chosen communism, how many times, like all these different stats. It has how many kills, how many. Yeah, yeah, I want to look at that. 
Yeah. I just thought you just randomly had the one of your voices in your head just tell you, oh, mm, you're a super cop, aren't you? Like, oh, maybe I am right now. Maybe right now I am a super cop. But you know what I got more? I love that. Sorry, cop. Mm. You know what? It's yeah. so easy yeah. to try to smooth things out with people because you are if you are a cop or detective, or whatever, and you're going through and interviewing people and it gives you the option. Hmm, well, you know, it's I'm very sorry f for your circumstance or uh, after a while, you just become sorry, cop, which is probably the yes. way I play most of my games. I play my games, this type of game as a sorry cop. Thinking, well, I'm pretending, right? No, the game doesn't see exactly. you as pretending, and your partner doesn't know you're pretending either. I'm like, can't, don't you know yeah. that I'm, I'm uh, maybe I'm, uh, I'm just pretending here? But your partner takes everything pretty seriously, and unless he doesn't, he does. Yeah, it's it's so fun to break Kim in those ways where he'll just be like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want, or when he's like, yeah, okay, cool, he just kind of plays along or ignores you. Yeah, Kim. Yeah, Kim. Yeah, I like that part about Kim a lot, but. I'm not even, I mean, yeah, I'm not even sure. I, I Starting the game, I thought maybe I could choose somebody else as my partner. Maybe. It, it felt it like It kind of looks like it at the bottom, right? Because it has, like, your icon and Kim's. I was like, oh, I'm going to build a team. Yeah, I thought, like, when I encountered, uh, is it Joyce? On the boat? Yeah. The crypto, no, no, not Joyce, a cryptozoologist. But I thought maybe. Yeah. And that's probably something to talk about about the game. It's just that, uh, is that. You know, one of your main obstacles to solving this case is the fact that you don't remember a single thing because you just woke up from the biggest bender yeah. you probably ever went on. So the main ob obstacle, the challenge is yourself. And, and My methods may be unorthodox, but they get yes. the job done, Keo. Yeah, yeah. As soon as Kim's on board with that, too, I feel like the game changed when he's like, he, he stops hating you and is annoyed yeah. by everything. And he's just like, he gets results somehow. He gets people to talk. Yeah. The reveal is that, yeah, if you've been doing it that way, that everybody knows that that's your secret, whatever your your method yeah. is. It's uh, the jam rock shuffle. The jam rock shuffle. Yeah. The can opener. You are the can opener. You know what did it for me? I finally got to uh, a level of empathy or perception where I was able to talk to Kim and say, do you think they sent me because I'm a fuck up? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, conversation. And, and have that conversation and get to a place where I ask him, are you a fuck up? Mm -hmm. You seem Why really good you at your me? job. And he's like, yeah, no, I I'd say I'm at least, you know, one of the best police officers in my precincts. You know, I'm sufficient. I'm competent. I get my job done. I'm not a fuck up. He's like, well, then maybe I'm not. And it was like this nice parallel. Like, like they our districts yeah. do seem to care about the fact that we have to compete over this area. And we're both police in this area. Maybe they actually sent the best. Am, am I the best? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great I'm a superstar cop. Yeah. That's what I, maybe, yeah. What, Rockstar cop. Uh, mine says superstar in the stats. Oh, it says superstar? Okay. Which I think are, they use them interchangeably throughout the like dialogue options and stuff. But yeah, the category superstar cop, apocalypse cop, sorry cop, and boring cop. Okay. I think it just lists your top four because there are, I think, eight different cops you can be a couple oh, of times. Wow. Now, I find this in my journal, you say? Those are my top four. In your journal on the right side. Oh, so I think I remembered how to do it. it, it should, oh my gosh, I see it. Did you ever get your, uh, what's it called? Your um, your clipboard that has all your cases in it? Yeah. Yeah. Did you open it? Were you able yeah. to open it? Yeah, yeah. Are we going to compare? Yeah, let's do it. No, I don't have mine all up. Right, so. I'll just, no, I'll listen because this is good. All right. 
So um, I know my name. What's your number one copo type? Uh, boring cop. Oh, mine's only four for boring cop. Mine's six for boring cop. That's my most. I was your, I'm superstar cop 15 times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not oh, wow. a cop. Let me be real clear wow. about my guy. I would describe him as not a cop. If what about I had politically? to describe my character. Oh, where do you think I lined up? So our options are communist, fascist, ultra liberal, or moralist. I'm communist 25, moralist 11. Oh, oh. Um, that, that's, that's where you and I differ. Uh, fascist, ultra liberal, and moralist were all at two. Which I assume you get by existing. Wow. Uh-huh. 36 in communism. Oh, wow. 36. Wow. When I, when I finished the game, I was wearing the former hat of a communist soldier. Uh-huh. Yes, that was good. You joined the book club. The only bonus it gave was to communist thoughts. Bonus oh, to gosh. communist yeah, thoughts. Yeah, it doesn't give you anything. Yeah, exactly. I, I got, um, and from thinking about communism enough, I got an XP bonus for whenever I take the communist dialogue option. Whenever I'm like, that's cool. Very interesting. Have you thought about how workers of the world must revolt? Uh, I get extra XP. Should we get into the development at all? Yes. A little bit? Yes. A tiny bit. I have a lot written, so I might need to skip some of it. But I have a lot of questions because, you know, when I started the game, I not knowing anything about it and not really knowing enough of my, it feels like French history. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that this wasn't actual history that I'm reading about. Like these sound plot like plausible. We should get into that. There is some a lot of like celebrity and philosophers and political figures that it mentions. Where I'm like, okay, obviously that's Karl Marx, or obviously this is right. this. But like, there's a lot of things like Dolores Day. Okay, right. Doris Day and like all these th- th- people, and then a lot of them are French too. Like you're saying, so I'm like, or Estonian. Which is the the, uh, the author is Estonian, and uh, so a lot of it takes place for it takes parts of Estonian history is what I learned in, in the research okay. more than anything else, and so I don't know any Estonian history, and so I, it, I constantly every time I played it was like is this is this history that I don't know is this history that's made up this is definitely something that while watching Jeopardy in five years I'll be like oh obviously it's Dolores Day <laughs> well who is Dolores Day this is gonna mess me up for a long time because yeah. this is all history from like eighth grade that it's like combining with. So, yeah, I don't have an answer other than a lot of it's Estonia. Uh, but, yeah, Estonian novelist Robert Kurvitz uh, is the mind behind the game. He's the um, lead writer and lead designer in the game, uh, which we have some recent stuff that's happened. Apparently, he's not at the company anymore. Jason, you'll get into that soon because Jason has the, the lowdown on that. But um, originally, it sprang up uh, when Kurvitz collaborated with a group of artists and musicians, and they set out to create a tabletop RPG version of the novel. Uh, that he that he wrote that kind of takes place in Estonia, follows a cop around who's lost his memory. Oh, sorry. At the same time they were creating that, he wrote a novel about it to kind of like streamline the story uh, in in hopes of kind of like, hey, maybe we'll make this on the side. This will support making the game. Uh, it sold a thousand copies and sent him into a alcohol-fueled depression for years. Uh, his friend and fellow author, Carr uh, Kender, gave him the idea to turn it into a video game to reach a higher uh, a wider audience. Uh, and his initial description of the game from 2015-ish uh, was D&D meets 70s cop show in an original fantastic realist setting with swords, guns, and motor cars realized as an isometric CRPG, a modern advancement of the, on the legendary Planescape, Torment, and Baldur's Gate. Planescape Torment, I think, is one game. And Baldur's Gate. Massive reactive story. And both of those are, are D&D official. Uh, oh, okay. Wait, is, I yeah, know Baldur's Gate is. was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Baldur's Gate is a, a region on the Sword Coast, I believe. 
exploring a vast poverty-stricken ghetto, deep strategic combat. So, not a lot of combat, but other than that, I'd say that that's the vision. It was seen through to the very end. Sought funding from family and friends at first, created the company, started designing the game. You know, more people, got good music, got good voice actors, 50 people at the company. Oh, D- Disco, I don't speak Spanish. I think I knew this at one point in high school or college when I was taking Spanish classes. Not only the name of the game, Disco Elysium, not only referring to the, the fad, right? They're kind of like burned like a bright star and then faded and it's dumb and stupid now. Uh, but also Disco in Spanish just means I learn. So the constant learning about your past amnesia, I, that was like a light bulb moment to me when I was doing the history or the development. Well, and Disco Inferno. Stu? Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> There is a reference to a Disco Inferno at one point in the game. Oh, is there? Uh, and of I course, the song that. Disco Inferno. Mm-hmm. That's the joke with Disco Elysium. What's the opposite of a Disco Inferno? Gotcha. Oh, that's good. Disco mm-hmm. Heaven. And that's the good. reference to Dante's Inferno being inherent in Disco Inferno. I love it. That's good. The art, I thought the art was beautiful. It was like this, uh, I thought it was watercolor. Apparently a lot of it was uh, like oil paintings that they scanned in. But it, I loved how it was like the reeds and things would move and there was like leaves flying across the street. It seemed like a really dynamic art, not just like a painting that you're walking on. So uh, that was uh, Alexander Rostov, who he created that, um, that creative, what's the it? art collective, the art collective. Exactly. Yeah. Full of a bunch of artists and, and musicians. Uh, and the music was all done by English band sea power. And yeah, like Jason said, the original version came out without any voice acting. And then eventually the final cut was released in 2020, 2021, somewhere in there. And, uh, had over 300 voiced characters, if you include all the NPCs and all the parts of your brain, I guess, or parts of your heart, and encompassed over... This is what I was wondering throughout the whole game, because uh, like Keo, there's a lot of like, I get what they're saying, X, 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 or whatever button you're on, like, just like, I, I can read it faster than they're reading it, so let's get through this sometimes. Yeah. 1.2 million words. <laughs> that's That's many novels. This was one of the first things I sent you about it, Ben, uh, years and years ago when it came out was just this is a, a game with 1.2 million words. Insane, man. And just the excitement and, and with the idea that nobody's going to read all of them, not just because you're flashing through, but because you can't, you can't. in a single playthrough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it branches out too much. There's probably characters I didn't meet. Yeah. Uh, last two things. It was released to almost universal acclaim, won a bajillion awards. Uh, currently, this is cool. Currently has the highest rating on Metacritic of all PC games. That's pretty good. Uh, And also, there's a TV show in development. Yep. And a sequel. Okay. Related to those last two points and on the point of what have they done since then? Um, They they won the Game Award. (laughs) This was a year ago. But what about now? Recently. Yeah. Uh, So in 2019, they won the Game Award at the Game Awards. They were Game of the Year. They walked up there and thanked Karl Marx in their acceptance speech. (laughs) They are oh Marx and Ingalls, actually. they are fun. They're fascinating. They're I, I like this company uh, in October. What we might look at as the core of the team, Luiga, Kurvitz, Rostov and Hinpair, uh, four of the main uh, art collective uh, announced that they had involuntarily left the company. And which is an interesting phrasing that they use. That's the bad kind of leaving. Right. Uh, we got fired. We right. You know, the way they, they portrayed it was almost as though the company left them. They didn't leave the company. Right. The, the company is is going after these crass commercial interests. They are selling it to it. Once it became a TV show and it became uh, doing the video game sequel, that's going to be more of like just a, a sequel rather than what they might want to do of taking it in all these new directions. By the way, I think the game 
sets itself up already just for a sequel really well at the ending. Mm. So the, so they they issue all these complaints. They're like, we're no longer with them. Uh, screw those guys. Uh, we've got to do something else. And we have to, you know, get back to communism. And yeah. uh, so that was in October. And then in November, it came out that um, in November, there were conflicting reports mm. where it's possible that in particular, Kurvitz was a pretty abusive boss. And, and he's the uh, he's the novelist, writer, director, all that. Yeah, Just yeah. To, and uh. and th- there were some some serious issues going on, and it's none of this stuff is clear right now. Um, yeah. it is. We are still in the midst of this turmoil, and the whatever the narrative will become, it is has not settled yet. But man, it sucks that uh, sucks that everything fell apart. Sucks that it sounds like it probably fell apart a long time before they left. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like sounds. this is this is not like a huge surprise, but it does sound like they had like they're trying to do something different with this uh, communist inspired type of gaming company. Yeah, but they were still a company and most gaming companies that have problems, they have problems because they're abusive to their their programmers. Yeah. Right. At least that seems to be the general thing when, when it comes time to crunch time. You're working people yeah. like dogs. Is, why is that? That just seems yeah. to be a cultural issue that gaming companies have yeah i presented on it it's uh at, at conferences it's uh, it's called crunch yeah it's an industry standard it maybe has gotten better in the last few years as it's become more of a conversation at, at the very yeah i would say just because it's a conversation now i'm like publicly right. aware it's it's helped a lot based on survey results over the last 10 years it appears to be getting not quite as severe but again that stuff is very unclear yeah. and largely it's it, why is it like this i think uh we could look at a variety of reasons one of which would be I did it this way, therefore you have to do it this way, right? So that's how we perpetuate these systems. Uh, Two, and I think this is a real one that people forget about, it's really fun to make games. Uh And so it's easy to get obsessive about it and to kind of make yourself crunch just because you're having a blast. You get addicted to game making. Game making can often feel like playing a game. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's a right answer in your code that you're trying to figure out, right? What doesn't make these bugs happen? And then... Three uh, systems of capitalism that yeah. are since it's a newer industry, it's in many places un- completely unfettered by unions. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is what Hollywood would be like if there was no SAG, right? If there was no writers' union, if there was no, no. unions, and so any industry that go- comes out right now and in the last 30, 40 years is going to have no union support because of the ways that unions have been gutted throughout the United States. Yeah. Um, whereas what places that historically had a union may be protected from those. So those are all of the kind of various reasons around it. And I do know that the fr- French word for crunch is le crunch because oh, yeah. I published about it in a Canadian journal and I had to look it up for the <laughs> translation. That's great. Le crunch. And that sounds delicious. Well, I mean, in keeping at least with their... their I like that news report from October where the company left them. Right. They didn't like fire a bunch of people. It seemed like the company yeah. as a collective decided we're going this way. So maybe, you know, I mean, if you have conflicts of, you know, belief in where you're going, then I guess that's going to happen. But it's nice that it wasn't just like no news at all. Some at least people in the company had the power to. Well, I don't know. who. I, I, I'm not sure who, who did that, but. uh at least it seemed like they were able to. I mean, th- there was that workers unite type. Yeah. For some people, at least, maybe not everyone. Well, and you've also got you've got other models within video games like Motion Twin, who made the game uh, Dead Cells, is a collective and okay. it's completely shared profits. Every single person in the company oh, makes cool. the same amount. Wow. After the success of Dead Cells, they spun off into two companies. 
one of which is motion twin and is governed that way, and the other which is governed by uh, more traditional uh, profit sharing models, where the CEOs make more, right? Where the you know, upper people make more, and that company is called Evil Twin. Okay. Um, yeah. Off of motion twin, and like they're they're being clever about it, they're being funny, and they seem to mainly get along. But like that was a decision that was made. My sense of Zaum, Z-A-U-M, which is the name of this company that we're talking about, uh, the Art Collective, is one, they always distinguish the Art Collective from the company that made the game, right? The Art Collective has no books in that sense. They're, they're not, don't have budget lines. They're more of a, uh, more ethereal. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, they're, they're, they're purely vibes-based uh, budgeting. And yeah. then um, the, the company, though, published a game, right? And has to distribute it and has to deal with profits. And so that initial distinction, I think probably thinking through a lot of those things in really mild ways can lead to that split being much more acrimonious. Whereas Motion Twin has some really clear profit sharing models that it goes into. Here's how decisions are made. Here's how this uh, Zaum, from what I've seen from the outside, seems much more free flowing. Let's figure out as we come to this, we'll address Mm -hmm. these problems, which can be great, but it can also lead to these, these really big conflicts if you haven't set down ground rules for how to hash through these things. But second, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that it is quite possible that uh, there are some really abusive people that were in charge of that art collective, which is being what is being alleged right now. Right. It certainly could be that people decided to go their separate ways because some people wanted to do uh, the commercial version. Some people wanted to do communism, or it could be that there was some serious substance abuse and harassment issues. But we are very early on in this process, and those accusations are still pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it happens to a lot of gaming companies. You hear about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And players and you know, the whole culture, really. There's always it's it's this those stories true. come up yeah. all the time. So I hope I hope good things. I love this story. So yeah. I'd love to see more of this story. I enjoy it. I enjoy this type of game playing. I'll I'll say that. I um yeah. it remind me of um Life is Strange. You know, the yeah. story yeah. type picking, choosing, it's not an action base. It's not like a, we're not playing a direct RPG or or some type of game where, you know, a side-scrolling type thing. It's just story-based or Telltale Games, what they were doing for a few years. Totally. And I can get into those. I can get into those because I like, I like the storytelling part of it. And it's a different way of presenting a story. It's a lot of games where it has a backstory, but you don't need to know the backstory. I think of like Magic the Gathering playing card games. There's a backstory there, but... It's not you don't have to know the story to just play the game. And here the yeah. game is the story is the game. If you don't enjoy the story, then, you know, there's a lot of games where you just click through the dialogue just to get to the next choice. But this one, if you're clicking through the dialogue, then you're missing the point of the story, I feel. So I you got to enjoy that part. You got to enjoy the reading or the listening and the yeah, uh, like you're watching, a, you know, you're participating in a in a visual story like a movie. You got to enjoy that process or. Find a different game, I think. That's because that's this game to me. This is what I get out of the game. I like that. Yeah. It can feel slow and plodding. And that's why I don't like, I didn't want to have to rush through it. So I didn't try to finish it. Yes. So, but I will go back and I do want to finish it. And that's, that's when I'll enjoy, you know, it, you know, it takes, if you enjoy like those choose your own adventure stories as a kid, and then you'd go back and like, well, what would have happened if I had done this instead? You know, that's this story directly, kind of like this story, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except you often don't get to choose it, right? You've got Oh yeah. You got you got to pass a check. Oh yeah. Uh and so you might be wanting to choose something and you're like well, You could always save scum. Okay, yeah. I've got exactly. You can save scum, you can go back, do some other things to get you there. Yeah. Like I want Ben, you opened the uh the giant uh box car. 
right? You opened the, the, the shipping container. I, yeah, two my two favorite checks that I definitely saved scummed the most yeah. were opening the boxcar. Which I did not accomplish. Which required rhetoric, and it was a check yes. of like 8%, even with all my rhetoric hats and rhetoric feet and rhetoric clothes I, on. I never got mine above 3%. It was, I think I got mine to like eight or 12. That was one where I was like, okay, I can wow. do this 10 times ish, right? Or 15 if I need to or whatever. And that was it. Uh, and I finally got in. And then there's also a couple things in there. So I was even safe coming oh, in wow. that room. Wow. But I think the guy in there, his name is Mega Light Bending, Ultra Rich Light Bending Man or something like that. What? Because the difference between him and you as a character is so vast that light literally bends around him. <laughs> What? And so he's like this weird prism creature with rainbows everywhere. And you're like, oh, you're about to like worship him. And you're like, Kim, are you seeing this? And Kim's like, he's just a middle-aged man in a nice suit. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just because he's like some, and the rich guy's like, yeah, I've heard of this happening when, when the socioeconomic uh, chasm between two people is so vast, the other one can seem like, <laughs> can't even conceive of the other person or something like that. Is it Everett's brother? Uh, no, Everett hates him because he's okay. a billionaire and Everett's a man of the people. Is he is he married to the pigs? No. Is he connected to the pigs? Because they light suits. I wonder what his connection is. His connection is he gives you a hundred bucks uh, oh. if you if you can sell him on an okay. idea, a business venture. Um, so he gives you some seeding money, not a handout, not a handout. He says not. He's, he's the is, ult ultimate capitalist. It's a Shark Tank here. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So there's a couple things in there where you can like pitch him a good idea, pitch him a bad idea, pitch and you can pitch him like a tabletop game. I gotta get back there and pitch him communism. <laughs> oh my gosh, I wonder if you, there's a lot in there. Okay. But one of the ones is you can pitch him that radio D and D game that you discover yeah. mm. in the um the commercial, the doomed commercial area or yeah. whatever. With with the with the Wilkins. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I think I've heard of this before. I think I invested in this a few years back and it didn't work out. <laughs> but I saved scum just so I could see all of those options in there. He did. Oh my gosh, he did. Yeah. And then the other one was the oh god, I don't have it. I I sent you video of it, but you, you talk it's Climbing in the statue. two millimeter. It's in the um Take on La Responsibilité, that, that timeline, that storyline, uh, where part of that is working in the church, talking with Suna about the two millimeter hole in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely saved some, some of that to, to make sure I could see this, the two millimeter hole or whatever, experience that. And then through that, again, you talk with the guy who's smoking and you talk with the guy who's in his room, his Sunday friend. And you part, there's a, some mental check in there where it's like, and not in there, where around the world where it's like, I need to find out who's responsible for all this. Who is the la responsibility or responsibility or whatever. And you have to like track down the Sunday friend. And he's like, actually, there's a, um, a committee that runs everything. It's a part of, I think it's a part of the moral intern, a part of the government or something that dictates who's responsible for everything or, the, or is the ultimate responsibility. I don't know. Words I don't understand. And a lot of them probably. And so you have to talk with Suna and get her a transmitter. Did either of you do this? No. Ye yes. You might still be able to do this. I'm trying to think of where Ruby is. Anyway, um, where you talk to Suna, you get her a transmitter, and she's like, oh, okay, well, we can talk to, we can find out the person who's on it. What do they call it? It's like a, some sort of flying ship. It's like a blimp. Okay, I've not gotten there, but no. I should pull it up. Uh, but it's, it's you a You showed me video, and that, I was like, like, what is happening? It's, yeah. it's the weirdest thing in the whole game. Probably as far as like mm -hmm. different than everything in the game. There you go. Maybe okay. the thing at the end. But this is like as far as like story, this just like takes a sharp left and just goes. Uh, and to get to talk to the people in the blimp who are in the government somewhere, or maybe I think like a shadow government, you have to climb the statue of Philip the Third. Okay. And you have to you take your sword out, which was given to you on a date, 
put it in the, mouth, the horse's mouth, which is a check, because you can either put it in Philip's hand or the mouth. You do that, then you there's another check for turning his head the right way to get the best reception. Holy cow. There's another part in this where you're listening and you hear Kim's voice over the intercom, and it's Kim in the future that's talking to you. Huh. Oh, nice. So like one of the last scenes that Kim says, you hear that at that point, which this reminded me of, what's the game that you play on the island, you're a bunch of kids? Oxen free. This was very oxen free scene, yes. right? Sounds like you're it. using radios to hear the future. And Kim Kim's listening too. He's like, that ah, sounds like me. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, you're talking to the people on the the flying blimp thing that's overlooking the city, and you're just having them describe the city to you. And it's this really long dialogue tree of like, do you see anything over here? And she's like, oh, I see the suburbs. I see people riding on horses. I see this. I see this. And he's like, well, look to the west. Do you see this? He's like, I see someone on top of a giant statue. He's like, oh, that's me. And she's like, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Suna, who's there on the radio, she's like, we only have enough time for you to ask two more questions. And she, or for one more question. And he's like, okay. And you get to choose between one of three. I did all three because I saved scum and did the whole thing three times. And one of them is we're discovering this murder that's locked, you know, tied into the union and there's going to be a war. We need like government help. We need us, armies to come in and help us out. And if you do that, she's like, sorry, you can't speak to the um, committee of the responsibility. If you do the other one, that's just like, I, I found all these cryptids and like, I need help solving these cryptids that are breaking my brain or whatever. She's like, yeah. sorry, we can't do that. So the third one, I was like, this one's definitely not going to work is I found the two millimeter hole in the world and I beyond the pale or whatever. And she's like, hold on, please. Shuffling papers, shuffling mm. papers. And then she asks you like these five yes or no questions. It's like, were you alone? How did you feel this day? Or not yes or no questions, but like singular questions of like, if you pass through all of these questions, she's like, we'll come in, we're coming to pick you up right now. And they just basically beam you up in the spaceship. And that's the end of the game. And it goes to the newspaper and it says, oh, superstar cop disappears <laughs> amid case or something like that. Is so the this, is, this is without solving the case. You can yeah. get yourself. And it's no credits either. Up. So it's it kills you, I guess, basically. Hmm. But it is an end to the game because all of the endings just go back to the, the main menu. It was super weird. That's that's interesting because yeah. death in this game, I think, is being considered okay. as a loss of community. Right. You leave the community. And yeah. therefore, it's the same as dying. Yeah. Right. You're just no longer part of uh, uh, Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. I have to I have to pursue that. That's the, that 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 would involve the challenge for me of getting on a date <laughs> with a woman that would give me a sword. Oh, I, which right? is an insurmountable. Right. I don't think I have the right right wardrobe. I could I, I would I would have to save and then just keep asking. Oh, she said no. Yeah. Uh, right. And I, I died from my loss of morale. So I got to <laughs> I did, I reboot. Did, yeah. I saved scummed in two areas. One was jumping down from the roof to get into the shipping container area. Oh, yeah. And I, I had like a 25% chance and it took me, I swear, jumping down. Yeah. That was the only way for me to get into the, the area. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember or that's that. what I thought. Yeah. I, I went that um, route. And I don't even know the that. The other one was uh, regaining my authority with Titus. Uh, after yeah. I moved it so far early on, was that the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I threatened to threatened to kill myself. I'll do uh, it. Give, give me your gun. I don't think so. Um, I lost a lot of cred there, and so then I had like an eight percent chance of regaining my authority. And I finally, this was the one puzzle I looked up. I was like, I remember the first time I played this years ago. I got you know ten hours in. I remember interviewing Klasia. and I can't interview her now. I see her up on the roof, but I can't interview her. How mm. do you get there? And I found out the only way to do it is to get Titus to say something. He'll only say it if you pass this authority check. And I was like, 
man, I have no authority. I have not put anything into that. Yeah. I'm not. So I just saved scum that. Those were the two areas. But yeah, the authority. Yeah, we had very different playing experiences, Ben, also in that I didn't save scum. I did lots of, if I fail it, that's the way it goes. So you start over. Uh, no, I just keep playing. Oh, you just keep playing without Unless, I mean, doing it. it kills me, then I just go back to the last save. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. But most of them don't kill you. Most of them are just like, well, now I can't do that thing. And I was like, well, I guess I can't do that thing. That dialogue tree is closed off. Yeah. I did it for the sake of the game, for the sake of the pod. The red checks are hard. Yeah. The one worst. Time. The worst red checks. So red checks you can only do once. White checks you can do as many times as you want. But you can only retry them once you put more points into leveling. Yeah, you can't just. Yeah. Oh, is that yeah. what it was? Okay. I didn't realize when you could check them again. The worst red check that I missed. I can't remember what conversation it was in. But I saw that it was a red check. And I said, ah, I only get to do this once. Let's exit out, press save, and then come back to it. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I ended the conversation and it just never came back up. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 And I was like, well, missed my chance. All right. That's you got to re-roll for that. I think because the first time I played through, I got as far. I just went immediately to the bookstore and started going. I'm going full paranormal explanation for everything. Yeah. And and, you know, with the bookstore owner. And then I think the second time I played through, I just didn't go that route. I realized oh, I can never get back there again to do it that way. And I realized, oh, you can't just always if you say the wrong things, you can't always just pursue it that route you think you're going. You're going to be that far out. Like I put a lot of points in the Inland Empire. All my points yeah. went to Inland Empire. Me too. I just like having that weird kooky voice say, well, maybe it's the, you know, the, the these powers, these auras that are affecting, you know, in your back of your head, telling you explanations for things, always the weird one. But if you make the wrong choice in that, then your only recourse is to maybe the physical route. Yeah. And then you have to start thinking, okay, well, I got to now start amassing points or uh, clothing articles that will boost my physical, my physicality so that my, when I do this dice roll, I'll have a better chance of succeeding. You know, I, for me, I, I don't like the even, if it's an even 50% roll, I want to go at least 70, 72% mm-hmm. and then make the choice. So if I got to put on some, you know, some, you know, a, a better shirt or something to be more physical, uh, I'd rather do it that way. But I, I found that to be interesting that you can't just always just go all in on one aspect of yourself. You have to also be, even if you don't want to be physical cop, you have to sometimes be or authoritarian cop. It's the only option left sometimes on a playthrough. Yeah. Well, I think I got boring cop because I was often taking the Inland uh, Empire route uh. and then not telling people about it. Yeah. Right. Right. And so the, the option was either like, I think some kind of ancient deity told me. I think that's how I know. Yeah. Uh, and I'd be like, it's just a hunch. Because uh, yeah. Kim kept being like, I'm sorry, an ancient what? And I learned that too well. Like I should have, once I'd earned Kim's trust, I should have just been like, yeah, man, vibes just off. Anyway. Yeah, just go with it. Exactly. Yeah, he gets, he says, oh, I guess that's just, that's just your method. Or he nods. He knows this is the way you do it. Yeah. But my, my favorite thing was like, you have to get on top of a building and my choice was just teleport, man. Yes, mine just too. Close your yeah, eyes you and teleport. guys had this. I did not have this. Yeah, because there are, there are smarter ways to probably get into the building than what I did. But I'm like, <laughs> cool. And for like 10 seconds, you're like, I teleported. And your choices are don't say anything about it, just accept it. You're a superhero type. Or, super it, or or yell at Kim. I did it, Kim. I teleported. <laughs> That's what I did. That's I'm what like, I did. well, I want to share it with my partner. I want to share with him because yeah. like, he saw it, right? 
Yeah. And this, you know, I, I share it. Hey, Kim, I teleported. <laughs> you just closed your eyes and climbed up the ladder, man. I saw you do yes. it. Yes. And that's like the like. Uh, <laughs> so the the moral of that is, if Amazing. you like, I want there to be you know paranormal and and if you want there to be a paranormal explanation, you can't consult your grounded partner Kyo. about anything. Yo. Yes. We are going to spoil the ending very soon. Okay, that's fine. Oh. That's fine. I got a couple things to talk about before then. I Well, but this is the thing I want to address. Okay. I want to give you an out. Oh. I want to give you some time where... Keo's going to put down his headphones. Okay, okay. Jason Ben will talk for three minutes. Yeah. And then he'll put them back on. Oh, okay. And we'll be fine. Oh, I like that. And it's and it's based on some of the things you just said when you were talking about your story arc. Um, you're going to like the ending a lot. Yeah. Let me just tell you that, Keo. Like, based on your conversation that you just had, I'm like... Keo's gonna like this. This is gonna be good. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be good. Because I'm telling right, you, cool. those 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 poor locusts, man. Those poor locusts and those oh. traps. Oh yeah. They're they've been a disappointment to me. Yeah. Did, did you check them again though? I checked them a second time. And, and did you get Kuno? You got them back from Kuno, right? No, I didn't get the ones back from Kuno. You can you can go get them back from Kuno and then go restock them. Oh. And maybe okay. Maybe check his shack after this that. This is restoring hope. All right, I like this. I like this. Okay. Yeah. Don't drop the cryptid tasks okay it's there's so much yeah. fun keep hope alive i will it's so stupid that it matters yeah i love that i love that okay because you know kuno i feel like we're on a we're on a nice even keel right now i don't bother him he doesn't yeah. demoralize me uh oh, yeah. but not, maybe i need to go back and push that more i stole his dad's speed for him like i mean yeah. we're like we really got along well oh did you have to fight him his dad or him? No, his dad. I was too afraid to fight the dad. Uh, the first time I played through, his dad killed me. Oh, so he can't. Did he really? Oh. Yeah, I think so. I thought he was just always in a drunken stupor. I mean, the first time I played through, I think I was in more of a drunken stupor somehow. Okay. He I, gets out of his bed, though? So, Oh, you would have... I, I don't know. This is a couple years you ago. You were planning to fight him, so you drank something to get really hulked up on... And then died? Alcohol. I don't remember. I just remember <laughs> that I, I'm pretty sure that Kuno's dad killed me. Wow. I don't think that oh, I didn't know that was possible. I wow. thought he was just passed out, but I didn't sure. try. I just I'm going I'm to Google that to see if that even happened. I took the speed and I ran. Nice. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I think I gave it That's to Kuno. To go. I was like, meh, it's his. I, I wanted to be a nice guy, you know? No way. I split it. I kept some of that for myself. Giving drugs to kids. We're partners. I'm partners with this kid. I hope he's. That's true. He's pro- he probably <laughs> respects that. That kid, though, man. This game. Now, you guys, you guys have kids, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So this is one of those games that's just like the language it would ju- is just is, is making me blush most of the time. <gasps> most of the time. Yeah. So this is like a headphones. Put your headphones on because you're going to hear some phrasing that could only come from an Estonian translation. You know, yes. this is this yes. stuff is going to give you more combinations of swear words you've ever heard. Yeah. For so sure. bad that they even have to bleep themselves out because they're they're not so sure yeah. that the translation works, you know. Right. It's it's not yeah. even gonna work. They know that. So it's just uh but the the the, the 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 stream of swears that come out of those two street urchins in that courtyard is just bewildering and uh refreshing. Okay. I yeah. when I woke up as a cop with no memory and I put on some of my clothes, right? As many as I can find, uh-huh. and I walk out. And there's a woman on the balcony and I say hi to her. My, my go-to response to what I did there was I said, um, would you like to make fuck? <laughs> and when I'm still early on in the game being like, hey, let's try all these different options. <laughs> I never got to drop that. Uh-huh. Right? Like as we're going on, one of the options is like, yeah. 
tell Kim that the reason she's being weird is because when you saw her yesterday morning, you said, and I'm like, oh, no, don't tell Kim. Don't don't tell him. Yeah. You kind of have to tell Kim everything. I feel you should. Yeah. I tell Kim everything. That was my philosophy. I don't know. I, I would love to do a playthrough where I just don't interact with Kim at all. Just send him away and do all my detecting at night. I love. Right. Why? You seem to be following me. It's yeah. one of the options when you click on Kim. Well, except that's what makes you boring, though. That that is somewhat of an option. That is an option to just ignore him. Yeah. Well, OK, Ben, uh, and just past where where Keo is. Uh huh. That's an option. Yeah. To, to go yeah. on with the adventure. Oh, that's true. That's true. Instead of to go with Kim. I de- you definitely need Kim to get to that point. Well, you can get a different partner. Oh, OK. This is news to me. OK, OK. Settle down. Settle down. This is not a, spoilers. I'm just, I just want to let you know there's mm. one other partner you can get for the ending. You can partner with Kuno. Oh, okay, oh, there whoa, is an achievement. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, no. Slow down. <laughs> there is an achievement for getting Kuno to join the police force in your precinct. That's an achievement that exists in the game. I have not wow. done it. I don't know the route that leads there, but knowing that's a possibility is so funny to me. Wow. Okay. Going back to uh, what Q, you were saying on the, the idea, you were talking about like um, all the the dialogue in there and how it's kind yeah. of, like, I don't know if you use the word overwhelming, but it's very dense, right? There's a lot of dialogue. Good voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the the world building aspect, I don't think I thought about it till right this second, but every time you pick up a game and start playing it, you are a character who has experienced amnesia <laughs> Yeah. in the sense that the world has to tell me what's happened to me before I started playing this game. And so you take a game like this, which this is brilliant for making that a part of the character to be like, no, no, no. We all know that you just picked up this controller and don't know what's going on. So let's make that the character also. That's, I'd love that. And I'm just 30 hours in realizing that, that that's every game. But this compared to like Hollow Knight, which we played 30 plus hours. And at the end, we spent probably 20 minutes on the podcast being like, what was this game about? What was the story? Was there a story? Like, I think there's a story, but I don't I still don't know. And this is like in the first 10 hours, there's like you've read a novel or been been read a novel about every time you talk to someone, they're like, oh, back in 41, Martinet was a bustling blah, 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 blah. Like they'll just give you their life story and how Revachal has been totally destroyed or whatever. And like you learn so much history. And they know they know sometimes it gets to be a bit rote, like when you're looking up the maps. Yeah. I mean, I, yes. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just kind of an exercise. in would you or the names of books? I spent a lot of time in the bookstore and just. These are these are all the stories of uh, who's the Viking. Uh, oh yeah, Hamal Hjelmar, uh, whatever his name is. Heimdall. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there more? Yes. To, yes. We, you know, here's a list of all the other or the Dick Mullen books, which I I love the yes. Dick Mullen books. Yeah. You are Dick Mullen. Ah, I love the Dick Mullen. <laughs> oh books. yeah. When, yeah. I, when I called my precinct and asked who I was, and they said they called me Dick Mullen. Yeah. Yes. Am I Dick Mullen? <laughs> Did that happen to you? You don't, you don't know what the reference is. And I became yeah. convinced. No, you don't know what it is yeah. until later you find all the books. Like, and they were just making That's a so joke. And he's yeah. like, somebody's like Sherlock Holmes plus Columbo yeah. plus like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like he's, he's just like the cool, perfect cop that's in the books. Yeah. But I didn't know that. And my character didn't know that. So I'm like, oh, I am Dick Mullen. Yeah, that's Dick my name. Mullen. I'm a really Dick good cop. Mullen. It sounds like. And if you try to use that, man, the shame, the shame, like uh, what? Yeah. You're, oh gosh, yeah. your precinct people are, are. Kim, I found harsh. out my name. It's Dick Mullen. Kim. This, this really plays on like anxieties. Yeah, it's great. Uh, More gameplay things before we're already an hour in. So more gameplay things, I guess. 
before we get into what's the drink, what's the song, uh, mm. I would say the controls mm. were very frustrating on console. <laughs> and like specifically like running around and navigating the streets. Yes. I couldn't ever do it in a straight. Was that, Jay, you played on PC, right? Uh, I played it on a Steam Deck. So mm. same controller, basically. So same as a console then probably, right? As far as running around that just never, I didn't know if I was missing something by playing on that. But I could click on things. Right. And so if I was frustrating, oh. I could use my finger to click on the screen and it would think it was a mouse. And so if there's an area it's I'm trying to screen? get to and I'm like, can I even? Wa- yeah, it's good. That's, that. cool. Um, That's cool. And it just interprets the touchscreen as mouse clicks. Yeah. Right. So Disco Elysium doesn't know touchscreen. Yeah. The Steam Deck does. So I just double click on an area and he would run there. And that was really helpful for when I was like, can I get over there? How do I get around this fence? And he'd be like, he would just take a long walk around and be like, my oh, character. Yeah, he walks there slowly. He walks you know <laughs> yeah yeah he'll walk to the point well although kim remarked at the end of the first day he's like you run everywhere man how are you still alive oh yeah and that comes back at the very end too mm-hmm. there's things we're gonna spoil in a second yeah oh man that's so good how that comes back at the end he's like that's why you run everywhere it's so good oh man uh-huh. yeah and i like the i like the artwork but sometimes having to walk around some pieces of the art that are yes. just obstacles like oh why can't i just walk through that there's grass you here know? when the fast travel option came up i'm like yes let's use that wait 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 wait. what seriously dude it's on the maps you can only fast travel from places where you sleep Oh, not necessarily. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I've only found three so far. There's only three locations you can fast travel and the fast travel is really rough. You have to be standing in the location that you can travel to. Yeah. Uh, or it's not an option. It's uh, the church, the uh, the fishing village and the whirling in rags. Martinez. Yeah. That still would have like how many times did I go from the whirling in rags to the fishing village, though, or the church? Like, yeah, every single time I ran, I did not know about any fast travel. I hate you both. This sucks. Yeah. So the last time I tried to fast travel, I was I had just left my conversation with Ruby and I'm heading back to the whirling in rags and I'm standing in front of the church and I'm like, fast travel, do it. But come on, fast travel. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, and it just like I couldn't stand yeah. in the right place. And finally, I was like, "Oh, there's a story reason. Oh, oh, something's going to happen." And sure enough, I start walking north, and something happens. Oh, and okay. I was like, "Oh, that's why." I, so the one time I couldn't fast travel. So Kyo, if you do run into that occasion, you're like, "Why can't I fast travel? I just want to head back to the world in rags." It's like you'll get back there. Okay. But some stuff's about to happen. All right. Yeah. Well, that is one thing that made it a little bit easier. I do. It's nice running through things, but. You do have to. That is a long route. You got to run if you're going to the fishing village and then back to the whirling and rags. That's a long route. I guess to summarize, yeah. I'd just say that, that Disco sucks. Elysium is mega hardcore. Yeah, mega hardcore. It's hardcore. Is it too hardcore though? Hardcore. No, there's not such thing. Hardcore. Hardcore is hardcore. I love those guys. That is the question. The question is, what is the question? Anything else? Should we get into what's the drink? What's the song? Any more gameplay things? We should spoil the ending and then come back to what's the drink, what's the song. Unless you have anything else gameplay. My favorite part so far in the game has been uh, getting to put on the robe that I stole and sing karaoke. I think that was my favorite scene. Oh, Uh, I didn't sing karaoke. You didn't sing karaoke. We should talk about that because I save scummed that and made sure I I did that successfully. How did your karaoke go? I I love that the game gave you the option of like, are you sure you can scan the room? You scan the room. Not too many people here. Maybe you want to wait till the evening. So there's more of an audience. Right. Right. All right. I'll do that then. I guess I'm going to come back here later on, go do some more questing. And then that evening, putting on my my special drama robe, (laughs) all my drama gear, go up there and like, oh, this is a special moment. I elbowed Corey. Look. And she's like, 
watching Dateline on her iPad. She's like, huh? <laughs> oh, my guy singing karaoke. Ah, uh-huh. This is the big moment. It's very nice. Very nice. This is the moment, it sounds like. He looks, he looks like he's nice. really enjoying that. And then she back back to Dateline, you know, but I enjoyed it. That's good. And I felt like I, it was a long time coming. And so I enjoyed it. All right. Those cut scenes are very nice. Before you leave, let me yeah. tell you both about getting the jackets, right? So it sounds like each of you had an opportunity oh. to get these jackets. The Fresh the World. We got the jackets, but we didn't share them with okay. you. I, no, I, I didn't oh. get the jackets. I didn't, my, I don't have the, I haven't tried it yet. There's a check to get the jacket and there's a check to get Kim to wear the jacket. Oh, oh I must have just gone through that. And I had built up so much trust with Kim. And, and so this is a jacket that, that has a slur on it. Piss. Yeah. Bad word. Something. Yes. I love Kim so much. Good. I love his understatedness. I love that he is, that he was willing to wear those jackets with me. And then you find out, he tells you, he says, if you take this jacket off, the second you take this jacket off, I'm taking mine off. And so I was like, mm, I'm never, yeah. I'm never changing clothes again, buddy. <laughs> this is my jacket. I'm going to fail so many white checks from here on out. This is my jacket. Oh, that's oh. Awesome. did you really wear it the rest of the game? Yes. Until there, so Ben, after that scene that were the story reasons that you can't just teleport right after that scene. Yeah. He has taken his jacket off a little bit later. He says, I stopped wearing it. Oh, he changes in, in mine too. He changes. He changes clothes. So, so when Kim changes clothes, he, he won't put it back on. So I started changing after that. He's a very long suffering partner. Yes. That's why I mean, I'm not far enough in the game yet, but it feels like there's some times where you can like, there's the opportunities are there for you to to doubt him. Definitely lots of doubt. Like, are are you are we competing? We're from different precincts. Yeah. We're not from the same precinct. The whole pissing contest kind of quest dialogue, you know, is is uh, is ultimately, you know, are you his lackey? That sort of a thing. Yeah. You know, there's but I, I feel like I always as a character playing the game, I instinctively want to gravitate towards no, this is your partner. We have to work as a team, right? Yeah. And then we'll solve the case. So usually that's that's probably why I'm I'm not getting to play the far out crazy detective I want to play because I would love to do that. But I always want to share things with Kim because I feel like the game is judging me or it's definitely one of those things. It's, it's testing. Are you going to partner with Kim? Are you going to say this or are you going to let Kim say it? I'm like, well, yeah, uh, I usually I mean, this playthrough, I've been defaulting and, and partnering with Kim and letting Kim do it. But I wonder what would happen if I didn't. Because sometimes you need Kim. You have to have Kim to yeah to solve certain parts. For sure. Kim is also really interesting around racism in the game, right? So your character can take on racist thoughts, right? That's oh, an yeah. option. And Kim, as a character, is with you there and is the person that the racism is being perpetrated against, right? Uh-huh. So if you take on these thoughts, it's not just ambiguous, vague, like, you know, a racism against people that, that may or may not exist, that aren't near me. It's like against the guy who's standing next to you. Yeah. And he's going to, you know, maybe cluck disapprovingly early on, maybe say something to a person. But he had a line early on. So you've met two like pretty virulent racists. Yes. And if you give one of them kind of any time and say to Kim, like, oh, hold on, let me hear this guy out real quick. Kim says something about like, uh, yes, well, you know, this this is the second racist we've met. And he's clearly a a terrible Mm -hmm. person. But I'm sure the next racist is going to be the really good one. (laughs) And yeah, you sure enough meet meet someone later who is like being racist, but in the most liberal Democrat way ever, like using all these euphemisms and like, listen, I'm not I I don't hate anyone, but it's just that. Right. And one of your dialogue options is, hey, Kim, you were right. This, the third one was the good racist. 
I think those are my favorite times in the game when not those are not my favorite times in the game. The my favorite points of dialogue when it says like agree with person but in parentheses lie. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah. cool. That I thank you dialogue for being clear to me that I'm agreeing just to like get more information or whatever or when it says like sarcastically or something like that." Because yes. there's a lot of times where I'm like how much am I just going along with this conversation to get information or to to open the docs or whatever it might be yeah. versus how much it's actually how much I'm telling the game. I am this character. I am racist. I want this character to be racist or whatever and pissing Kim off and just being a terrible person versus just like lie. I'm glad that it does say that sometimes. Yeah. Well, I know the game will let you become like a unhygienic person and an alcoholic person. Yeah. But will it let you become a racist person will the game yes. actually let you become a racist person from what i understand the answer is yes or if, if you were just a racist person playing the game uh is it just validating you the whole time or is it or is there some or is there a point where they you know uh yeah what i i would assume that the game just lets you you know at one point see the ridiculousness of yourself through yeah. these characters because that seems to be the way it's written but i do worry inside the game that Kim will think I'm a racist if I For sure. listen too much to the to the uh, dialogue of the racist characters, you know, totally. like as a cop. But I feel bad when I kick the uh, the mailbox because you can never take that back. It's true. That's yeah. true. Poor that mailbox. mailbox will never trust you again. And you need that mailbox letter, which is tough. I mean, or you can you use the did. mailbox. It's just like if you if you think, oh, now I'm going to be nice to the mailbox, that mailbox is like, no. I can't trust you, you psycho. Doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. You already betrayed it. There's, there's things in the game you just cannot take back, and maybe you should. Yeah, wish you could. All right, time for Kyo to go away for a few minutes, and we'll do a little spoiler for the end of the game, and he'll come back afterwards. All right, spoiler time. You'd finish first, and I was kind of texting you through my experience going through the last couple hours of it. And I thought it was going to end like five times. Yeah. Because I thought it was going to end when you find Ruby. I thought it was going to end in the shootout. I thought it was going to end on the island with the phasmid, like all this crazy stuff. So, I, yeah, I pushed it to like 2 a.m. last night. Yeah. For those of you who just listened to the show uh, and don't ever play the games, and it's just going to be spoiled for you, let me just tell you a little bit about what happens while you're solving this murder mystery. Yeah, set up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you tracked out. Someone named Ruby who was there and uh, actually um, took the murder victim uh, who had been shot and made it look like they were instead lynched uh, and covered up the, the a, one murder with a different kind of murder. And she did that to bring uh, the union and the security detail for the company uh, who this murder victim represented to blows, basically to start a war between the two. Mm-hmm. So figures that maybe she did the murder. Well, you talk to her, and if you're me, she kills herself because you're not very good at talking to people. If you're Ben, evidently you let her go. Then you get back to uh, your home base, and uh, there's a shootout, and you can talk your way out of it. You can shoot first. There's lots of options. Or you could just get shot, and almost everyone there gets killed, like in my playthrough. Did you shoot anybody in yours? No. Oh, so... I tried, I think. In mine... No, I don't even think I tried. In mine, I shot the main guy first. That's the best outcome. And then Kim shoots the drunk dude with the yep. full armor. Yep. He, he, I love it. He's like, dear God, please. And he shoots that guy. Yep. And then I think I shoot the guy. The guy falls over, the main guy, and I shoot him one more time, I think. I can't remember how he dies because he shoots me. Yeah. 
and I jump out of the way. That was another check. I jumped out of the what? way successfully. That was like one of my favorite checks of the game because that was like wow. a 22% or something. Yeah. And I couldn't save Scott because you're like so far into this. It's like yeah. not worth it to like go all the way back, right? Robin, he ends up shooting one of the Hardy boys behind me. Yep. And then I think he shoots me again. Someone shoots me in the hip because everyone gets shot in the hip, I think, in this. Kim comes over to help me and I warn Kim that she, the lady baddie, is right behind him. Yeah, same for me, except it was the main guy because uh, I hadn't shot him uh, who was sneaking up on Kim. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. So yeah, the main guy, I think, was dead by this point. But yeah, she comes up to shoot Kim and he, you hand him, you hand Kim your gun. Yes. And he turns around and yep. shoots her or him yep. before he gets shot. But yeah, if that, if you fail that check or if you don't warn Kim, Kim can die at that point. I think he gets shot. Does he die? I think he gets sent to the hospital and that's why he's not there. Oh, is that what it is? oh okay. So yeah. So Kim can, is out the rest of the game and then you can, I think either play the rest of the game solo or yep. you can recruit Kuno, like you were saying with, with Takio. Kuno can be your partner for the finale. Kyo, don't call me Kuno Edmondson. Yes. Which I can't imagine what that would be like. I want to watch YouTube videos of Kuno I, and you seriously. talking to the last guy at the end. There. How do you recruit him to be a cop? How is that an option? I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so then you go and the, the last place to look for where the guy might have been shot in your little um, search for that point is on, on the island. You talk to the lady you went on a date with and you go to an old lookout on an island. B double prime an old military base and you find a, an old, it reminded me of the, um, I think it was real, right? This isn't a rumor thing. The, um, the Japanese military general or whatever hiding out in yeah. like some Island off of Japan that thought he was, that thought the world war was going on for like 15 yep. more years or 20 more years or something. I was like shooting at tourists and random things. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me of that because he's still in his war time mindset, communist defector, I guess. Yep. Um, but, living on the island by himself, living off the land. And also there's a long, long story tree, dialogue tree of, of going on with this guy where you find out that not only has he been occasionally like going to the mainland and back, but he's actually in cahoots with the Claire's. Yes. Edgar Claire who, and Everett Claire, Edgar Claire, I think is Everett's father, uh, who are the, um, the union bosses yep. and been, at least once, but probably several times picking off people with his sniper rifle yep. that were the bad guys to the union. Right. And this and time I, it was the person. Oh, go for it. For mine, it was unclear whether uh, Edgar and Everett had paid him off to kill this particular victim. Was it clear in your case? I don't think it was clear, but I think starting a war was clear. I tried to get him towards there and I couldn't quite close the loop on I know that. but it sounded like yeah most, more than likely it didn't seem like starting the starting the war between the, all those factions was was the goal it wasn't just yes. like a random I don't like this guy because he knew about everyone and he'd been yes. watching them for years and or months and months however long it could have been so it didn't seem like he's just like I shot a guy because he was a, a jerk so that's that's realization one and yeah and we're, we're gonna get to three of these right uh or actually there's four. First, he says it's because wow. he was a decadent capitalist Right. I killed that security guard because he was a decadent capitalist. Yeah. Uh, cracking down on labor Two. now we find out probably it was the uh, the Claire's paid him to do it, asked him to do it, whatever. Uh, maybe true. We haven't clinched that. Third, he was obsessed with Klasia, who the security guard was uh, sleeping with when he was killed. Yeah. He so he was somewhat fixated on her, was stalking her. And so there was some jealousy related to this. But then we get to the fourth reason, which might be the realest reason of all. 
but this is also a case of overdetermination where any of these is sufficient to cause the crime. Right. And all of them happened. Yeah. So which one is the real cause? The fourth one is fantastic. You're sitting there, you're talking to this guy. He's got some, he's got this nice reedy swampy background and then the background moves and the crypto. Wasn't there a check for this? I can't No, I looked into it and I, I think you do it no matter what. No, no, there, but there's a check for this. I maybe, and I think the check just changes what happens because there's definitely a check where it's like, he's like, ah, oh, nothing happened. I failed the check first. And I, and I saved scum to go, to go all the way back. What? Um, you can miss because this? Because he's like, you hear something in the reads. Yeah. So I don't know if you can miss the entire thing, but it def- I would assume it changes it. Yeah. Because the, fr- the first time I failed it, it's just like, he's like, oh, I don't hear anything. Never mind. And you keep going. So maybe it comes up in a different way a few minutes later. So the cryptid you've been looking for the whole time is standing behind the guy you're interviewing and was there the entire time. But it looked like reads because you're looking for a giant stick bug. An insulindian phasmid. And it moves and it's 10 feet tall and you can have a conversation with it if you pass enough checks. And I did instantly. Because remember, I am like all empathy and yeah. vibes and weirdness. And it was like, yes, this is my moment to shine. Oh, yeah. I have sure. a full conversation with the phasmid. Yeah. One of my favorite moments there is I got to say, you're a miracle. Ben, did you do this? Yeah, I think so. And she's like, you're a miracle, too. Phasmid says, no, you're the miracle. Yeah. Uh, my my people have existed for millennia, for millions of years, even. Your people have been here for 20,000 years and you're already destroying the entire planet. That's a miracle. That's yeah. change. That's difference. You just didn't notice I existed. That's not a miracle. Just exist. Yeah, I, I just exist. And it turns out that oh, dude. the the guy that you found, the perpetrator, cannot see the giant stick bug. And what you slowly figure out is it has kind of poisoned the guy with its pheromones. It uses these pheromones that make it so that people who are around it a lot can't see it and can't tell it's there. It's this defense mechanism. But it also, the guy seems to have become addicted to those pheromones and it seems to have messed up his brain. And nobody, the places that it it frequents, nobody lives. But this guy has selected this this area uh, and lives in its domain and doesn't know it and doesn't know that he's had his brain turned to Swiss cheese by the insulindian phasmid. Yeah, can't spell insulindian phasmid without... Insulin. Insulin. Because my hand shakes. Right. Good times. Good times. Uh, and then you go back to the mainland where you are greeted with your partner or ex-partner. I don't know. People that work at the 41st Precinct with you. Yeah, you kind of go. That was a cool part because it does a good job of like going through like your history and you and Kim kind of convince them that you're not crazy. If you haven't been drinking at all during the game or doing drugs, that's a point that kind of is in your favor because you're like, I'm clean now. I what I I'm, that's in that's my past. It's behind me. I'm thinking straight. The fact that you cracked the case also helps you. The fact that you, undis- that you discovered this, this cryptid like, is another thing. You discovered a new species, like all these things. So it's kind of cool. It's like Kim a- gets a picture of. Ah, there's proof. I refused to get a picture of it, actually. <gasps> I didn't let him. Which I think was it made him sad because my empathy at the yeah. end was like, oh, no. But for me, I was like, this is a game. Yeah. It's going to be over in an hour. I don't care if their world changes and they have a picture <laughs> of a cryptid. I care about this moment with me and Kim sharing that was more important to me because he asked me like three times, can I get a picture? And I just whisper no every time. But Ben, you as a human being have no empathy. That's why your empathy as a character was like whimpering, like, oh no, but poor Kim. Because I knew the reason I want a picture taken is because I want Kim to see it. Kim wants to take that picture. Yeah, but Kim's just pixels. That matters to Kim. Me, I as a human being don't have empathy. Not for robots. I don't. You're right. You know. 
but yeah, I thought that was a cool way to kind of like summarize the game and like look back on what we did and kind of like close it all up pretty, really pretty well for a game that was pretty nihilistic and depressing at times. It was a nice, optimistic and, and kind of positive way to end the game. What did Kim say about you being a super cop? Because he said something about me and, and my combo type. Oh, I think he's just like, despite his arrogance, he's actually done a good, pretty good job of, of cracking the case, that kind of stuff. Yeah. He said uh, about me that he keeps going around saying that he's a really boring cop. But um, I mean, I've never been on a case like this. This is the wildest thing that's ever happened to me. There's nothing boring about him. I don't know why he says that. That's awesome. Um, I was like, oh, all right. Did you get to invite? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, or ask him to come work with you? Uh-huh. And he's going to. And he's he, like, oh, me? What? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Was, it's it's that was very, very tight. It was like Disney movie ending, those last few lines. Yes. And I set it up for a sequel because there's this vibe that Kim leans into hard of like, this place is a powder keg. It's ready to go. And I don't need, mean Mar- Martinez. I mean, Oliver Evershaw. I mean, Evershaw. there's something big going on. If they can pull their heads out of their eyes and make another game, but it doesn't seem like it. We can only solve it together, right? There's like very yeah. much yeah. set up for a sequel. Yin yang um, thing going on with them, yeah. So yeah. Ugh. What a good game. What a good game. That's awesome. I love it. Oh man. This game's pretty fun. You with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question what's the beer, what's the song? Wow, mm. what an ending. Oh, I'm glad we had that conversation. <laughs> Kia, welcome back. Man, oh, they all have been holding my holding my ears this whole time. <laughs> I didn't I didn't hear anything. You didn't spoil awesome. anything for me. Awesome. Let's just Sweet. keep it that way. Well, enjoy. Okay. Hopefully we can you can remain unspoiled as we discuss yeah, uh, drinks too and too songs. Okay. I'll go first because yeah, I, I teetotaled in the game. I did not drink anything. I got the recipe oh, for a drink uh, by, oh. through a, a mystical uh, book that I got from the bookshop. Uh, it was supposed to be some kind of thing that would help me tra- uh, traverse the pale and discover something paranormal. But it, it said when I figured out what the recipe was that it was just uh, a whiskey uh, uh, spritzer or something like that. It was like, you've had one mm. of these before. They're pretty good. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, I didn't make it, but I had the recipe at least. So I... I went with a hundred million angels singing from the Texas ale project. This is a, uh, Imperial IPA, uh, oh. at my local bar that I go to, uh, to watch football games. Uh, they will only sell it in the nine ounce glass. It is a, oh. a hefty boy, but it tastes like hops and cotton candy. It tastes huh. delightful. It is absolutely a hundred million angels singing into my mouth. And I thought nice. one Harry would enjoy this. Because he's an alcoholic, uh, primarily. But also, this idea of there being so much joy inside of something so small, right? Every corner of Revishal, every corner of Martinet has these moments of beauty. And they are all larger on the inside than on the outside. And, and so that's why 100 Million Angels singing inside this little glass. I, I like that as kind of an image of what yeah. you discover throughout this game. Yeah. Ben, how about you? I like that. I went with... So, image of the game is very similar to me to that of the dude walking around in a bathrobe. Some like you just have this big old trench coat. You can, I guess you have just about every, you can wear a robe actually in the game and you're going or nothing. Things are just kind of happening. Hilarious things, tragic things, crime, celebrity. You're just the dude walking around 
wherever you go. And I could very much see like an overlay of this game and that movie and just you going around making white Russians, solving crimes. So white Russian it's just and nice. making maybe mixing it with your finger, right? Just whatever you got near you. Everything's dirty. It just as soon as I had that image of of the dude, I was just like, yeah, that's very much uh, Harry Harry Dubois. Speaking of, and we'll, we'll cut over to Keo in just a second. But uh, last yeah. night I watched The Long Goodbye, uh, the 1973 version, um, yeah. which is based on a Raymond Chandler novel and very influential for The Big Lebowski. It's kind of a, a proto-Big oh, really? Lebowski. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's summed up as a 1973 American neo-noir satirical mystery crime thriller. Screenplay by Lee Brackett. My goodness. And it's Elliot Gould. Be as Philip Marlowe, which is funny for one thing, because Elliot Gould is he's not a hard boiled detective. He's doughy. He's emotional. He's, you know, silly. All of those things. Jewish, which comes up in the movie uh, multiple times. Uh And that's not Philip Marlowe. And so what they've done is it's they have imagined that they teleported Philip Marlowe out of 1925 and into 1973. And he's just because he's Philip Marlowe, he's just rolling with it. Right. So his his neighbors are some girls who are constantly topless doing yoga and offering him weed. And he's like, no, no, I'm I'm good. Thanks. But it's OK with me. You just do your thing. Uh, and he g- goes on his adventures. He has his, he solves his mysteries. He does that. And it reminded me so much of the Big Lebowski, but also of Disco Elysium, of oh, this yeah. other kind of of uh crime movie of crime solving that isn't about um the the state being really good at this job or about police being really competent but about in order to understand something sometimes you have to mess with your own epistemology you have to switch things up a little bit and stop just believing that the world is how you think it might be and one of those ways of messing with epistemology is, of course, alcohol or other drugs. And Harry sometimes does those, sometimes doesn't, depending on how you're playing. But other ways are like wearing different clothing, uh-huh. just being weird, asking yeah. funky questions. And yeah, I, I think Long Goodbye, Big Lebowski, Disco Elysium, I think there is a, a, a continuity there across those. Oh, I have to watch Long Goodbye. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Was it actually good? Oh, yeah, I love it. it. Okay, okay. Oh, I absolutely love it. Yeah, no, I, nice. I hadn't seen it in a while, but it's also a good one to... Who's directed by? Uh, to have a... a oh, um, this is going to be funny when you find out what's his name. Uh, oh, it's Robert Altman. That's why I've heard of it before. Okay. Uh, which is wild. Altman doesn't do neo-noir movies. That's not going to be the way right. it goes. Lee Brackett uh, wrote Empire Strikes Back. Like, this is weird. I would say watch it with a light buzz, right? Don't, don't get drunk, but it's mm-hmm. a great movie to just kind of be there with and just be like, yeah. you know, yeah, I'll, I'll have a, a drink or two. I'll, uh, I'll have a gummy and just kind of hang out a little kooky. Just a, just a fun, fun story. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a movie that kind of rewards zoning in and out and just okay. being like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is a fun scene too. Uh, Cause no matter what happens at the very end, when the case is solved, you'll be like, Oh, Holy crap. No way. All right. Long goodbye. That's a good one. I'll check, I'll check that one out. All right, Keo. What's your, what's your drink? Okay. Oh, well, you know, I was, I was inspired by the, uh, my interactions with the cook in the game and I decided, you know what, it's going to be a Martha Stewart. You can find this on Martha Stewart beat Bloody Mary. It's a, a Bloody Mary with beets. That's what he's making. Yeah, that's exactly what he's making. Good call. And a lot of vodka. But the drink I'm going to choose is, I think, um, you know, this Christmas, my mother-in-law bought me 
This, this device here. Yes. This is the uh, Mr. Beard. This is the Mr. Beer craft beer kit. Uh-huh. Uh, oh! And so on New Year's Day, start. I started. That's the weed of homebrewing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, this guy right here. You can, there you go. Now, I've already used this nice. on New Year's Day and started making the, what is this? It's called Long Play IPA. Oh. It's mm. hoppy, floral, and smooth. But the reason I bring it nice. up is uh, a lot like the game, being given this gift reminded me of something I thought I'd forgotten about. And it's that while I was interning in college at an edit house in Burbank, California, we started shooting and we produced a uh, infomercial for, if it wasn't Mr. Beer, it was something called The Beer Machine okay. back then, which is the exact yeah. same 100%. product. And so for weeks inside the uh, the studio refrigerator, we had like six of these things nice. brewing. And we did not do it right. I know we did not, but we were tasting them and they were just flat and just awful. Um, and now I have this Ooh. bottle here Ooh. of this. Does this look like does this look like a long play IPA? I don't know. No, it looks like an amber. Yeah, it looks like a very dark, overly sweet. It does look a little dark. It's a very malty. And oh, and it's not hoppy enough at all. I th I think there's something wrong going on here. It's probably the way okay. I made it. Sorry, Mr. Yeah. Beer. But um, ooh, we're going for it. Taste test live. It tastes it tastes a little bit too sweet. It tastes a little too mapley gotcha. and super flat. Yep. So I think there's something wrong going it's on. It's also here. I know the biggest complaint of those boxes I've heard is mm. the yeast is just really old. That was what I was gonna say. Probably I mean, if it's sweet and flat, probably yeast were dead. Yeah, that's yeah. not that's not your fault. Yeah, and I gave it an. And I followed the directions and I gave it another week and I'm like, oh, yeah. And even the, and you, you, when you bottle it, you put in these sugar drops. Yeah. It doesn't say to shake it. Bottle condition it. It says just put in the sugar drop. No. And I got this, pro there's like a lot of sugar still at the bottom there. So you're, you, yeah, your yeah. yeast are dead, man. Yeah, dead yeast. But the I thing mean, to fix that, you have, I mean, brewer's yeast is the same thing as baker's yeast. So if you have any just yeah. yeast in your freezer, it's all Saccharomyces cerasea. Throw more yeast. Yeah. Yeah. Throw some in the bottle. Oh yeah, or put it all back in the. You can do it in the bottle. There's, there's just I've done that before. Where, but yeah. that's but then it's going to be measured. Remember, it's going to be measured oh, by the sugar. By the sugar, not by the amount of yeast. But still, you don't need yeah. to put too much in there, just because. Yeah, but because it reproduces. And then when you uh, pour it, you'll leave the little yeast cake at the bottom. There'll be like some detritus at the bottom. That's the dead yeast. Just leave, leave it back there. Yeah, maybe yeah, I'll do drink. that because it. Yeah, I mean, this is. I, I should put this in the fridge and let it. There's some. Uh, but it's pretty flat. Anyway, yeah. it's it also probably needs another week. The nice mm. thing about those bottles is once you put the yeast in there, just check it every day or check it every 12 hours because you can pop it open if it's carbonated enough. Yeah. yeah. Then you put it in the fridge and then, and then it'll stop fermenting. Yeah. And if it's if it's not carbon, you know, I've got some champagne yeast. I might throw that in there just for the bubbles, you know, that'll work, too. That'll be. Yeah, mm. that'll be a little more effervescent, but that'll be that'll work. But getting the Mr. Beer remind it remind me of that it had been like 20 years since I thought about this this product. I didn't realize it was still there. So it's like having that throwback. Like I didn't yeah. know they still made this thing, and it made me feel old. Sure. Yes. And it made me feel uh you know like budding alcoholic, nice. just like the character in the in the game. So yeah, that's my drink. My drink is flat Mr. Beer beer. I love it. Phenomenal. That's great. All right, what's your what's your song? My song, 
I love the disco part, oh, so I'm, nice. I chose. Um, I didn't even think of doing a disco song. <laughs> well, it's not a disco disco song, but sometimes the beats in there. I'm like, the game has a nice soundtrack, but because you're walking around so long, sometimes you end up hearing that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So when you turn off the game and you're trying to go to bed, you keep hearing the soundtrack, and you're like, what does that remind me of? Yeah. And I decided just to go with uh, Human League. Uh, keep feeling fascination yes. as my song. Because it just got that beat that keeps going that feels very European disco like. And all these voices singing in the human league, all these voices in the conversation. Till the sun went down. Feel like This feels like an ongoing conversation that lasts days and days, just like the game. So I chose Keep Feeling Fascination by the Human League. A song that is eight and a half minutes long, very long, like this game, um, and it is "The Gift" by The Velvet Underground. I had this on a mix CD in the early aughts, and I, I was like, "Who's this new band?" Yeah, <laughs> this is cool experimental stuff. Yeah. Didn't realize it probably for like five or six years that this song came out in 1968. But it's oh. a song. It's there's no singing, but it's fully panned left and right. All of the music is fully on the right side. And there's just a narration on fully on the left side, 100% pan. <laughs> and it's Velvet Underground, so everything just sounds kind of like used and imperfect and dirty. And it sounds like the room is just full of cigarette smoke. That's what I he- <laughs> smell when I listen to the Velvet Underground. Don't listen to it while you're walking or you'll like fall over. <laughs> With all of the music on oh, no. one side and all the, yeah. Trippy in the best way possible. Yeah, literally trippy. Yeah. Uh, but that association alone reminded me of this game or this game reminded me of that song. Uh, and then the the gift. I don't know if either of you know it very well, but it's a, it's a story poem. I think written by one of the the lead singer, one of the band members, uh, about. And I, I I don't think it's original. Maybe I should have done more research. An original story. Maybe it is. Uh, but about a um, a long distance relationship between Waldo Jeffers, and it's kind of his point of view. His girlfriend goes off to school. They have a long term a long distance relationship, and she's kind of not communicating, not writing letters as often, not calling as often. They're kind of losing touch. He can kind of see it ending. I think eventually she might even like break up with him or it's like calls it off. And so what he does, he has this genius idea. He's going to surprise her for birthday or something. He ships himself to her. She gets the box. She's so excited. She sees from Waldo on it. She's like, oh, my God, I'm going to rip into this box right away. She gets out a machete. She chops air in the box. Took a deep breath and plunged the long blade through the middle of the package, through the masking tape, through the cardboard, through the cushioning, and right through the center of Waldo Jeffers' head, which slid slightly and caused little rhythmic arcs of red to pulsate gently in the morning sun. Oh my gosh. Like, wow. The nihilism <laughs> and the poetry of this song, for me, was just perfect. And the length was just perfect for, for this game. Oh, the Velvet Underground. Mine feels uh, uh, similar. Similar vibe, at least. Nice. has been drinking. My nectar is asleep And the combo went back to New York The jukebox says to take a leap 
That's great. That's such a good song. Oh, it's so good. It's such a good song. And it tells a story. It tells a story in a very poetic way. It's off a small change, which is actually its fourth album. I didn't realize that. Oh, they but, uh, it's great. It tells a story. It, it's very hairy. Yeah. It's Harry's voice. So, it's so Harry Dubois. Yeah. Um, the, the, clearly, he's been drinking, and he says the piano's been drinking. Everyone here is drunk but me. Lots of excuses. Uh, yep. But also the way that it personifies objects or things that we don't usually personify, right? The carpet needs a haircut. Mm-hmm. The telephone's out of cigarettes. Yeah, I, I love this song so much. I don't care if I've chosen it before. I don't care, Ben. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. As we said, when you were looking for like our, our shared Google Docs, I was like, yeah, we don't do that anymore. We so we have no something. history of our drinks no, and songs anymore because 2022 defeated me. And so oh. we're just yeah. we're recording these. I'm editing them. Patreon supporters get them a week before and they go live once a month. That's that's it. We just throw them into into the void and find <laughs> out what happens. Someone listens. They like it. Yeah. That's great. All right. Yep. Well, you know, Tom Waits is one of those guys like some like I saw like years ago his video album. Big. Is it big time or is it big show? Big time. 1988. Yeah. Big time. It's it's just a, a series of um, just say music videos, I guess, made in the. He made them in the 80s, mm-hmm. right? But it's just like, a, but he does songs that I don't think existed in album form. I always liked the way he sang time in big time. Oh, okay. But I couldn't find it anywhere. And I think now you can probably I'm sure somewhere, find yeah. it on Spotify or, we, or, or Deezer or something. But that version might only exist on, on, you know, and he sings it differently everywhere else. I like time too. Time, if you like that one. Listen to Time from Big Will Time. Uh, I, oh, it's on Amazon Prime, included in Prime. Boom. If if anyone's a Prime subscriber, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's available. But you're right though. Tom Tom Waits is uh, definitely uh, a Harry Dubois. Yes. Or could play Harry Dubois if he was a little bit younger, maybe, or or a little bit, yeah. Tom Waits, as an actor, is versatile enough to play Harry Dubois or Kim Kitsuragi. <laughs> or. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ron Perlman. Like he could play the understated. <laughs> he could play Ron Perlman. He, I love it when Tom Waits. I like how we're not saying Ron Perlman no. could play these, but Tom play. Waits would play I, these. I love it when Tom Waits plays embarrassed, quiet, neurotic guy, which is also in his wheelhouse. And like oh, yeah. really, mm-hmm. really funny. Mystery men, Tom Waits. Yes. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, who would play? Yeah, that is a question. Who who would play uh, Harry Dubois in a TV show film ad- adaptation? Bill Murray. Not too old? Bill Murray, really? Yeah, he is now too old. I, I guess you're right. We don't I don't think we know his age, right? He's fifty-eight. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I found that out. Fifty-eight, okay. Your your options are like, no, I'm not fifty-eight. Clearly I'm in my like my my early forties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you re- finally right. respond back to him, you're like, fine, you're right, Kim. I am sixty-five. He said, fifty-eight. I said that's you're right. fifty-eight. That's that right. is the age <laughs> on your license, man. That's literally that's right. how old you are. I do not mean to insult you. That's great. Yeah, I love that. Or maybe Josh Brolin. Oh, yeah. Maybe a Josh Brolin with with mutton yep. chops. Yeah. You know who are we kidding? I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio can pull off mutton chops oh, too. Joaquin God. Phoenix. He can mutton chop it up. Oh, Joaquin. I could I could see Joaquin doing this. He can do anything. Yeah. We're just naming the best actors because they already can do anything. <laughs> but yeah. Leo could not do this. I disagree. No. You don't think so? Not after, uh, you know, Once Upon a Time? No. Yeah, no. Brad Pitt would be a cool take on Titus, though. Like, rather than the physically imposing, he'd more just be like, oh, he'd be it. Fight Club Pitt, where it's just like, I'm the coolest person in the world, and I have all the authority. Yeah. That'd be a cool. 
Or um, just throw Tom Hardy in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Oh, Hardy. Yeah. Hardy oh, would be interesting. Yeah. Probably too good looking. Both. They're yeah. all going to be too good looking, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Fair. But but Sam Rockwell, particularly from Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, right? His, oh, his yeah. kind of sloppiness uh. in that movie. But I think oh, no. What was the thing we just saw? See how they run. He's a sloppy old detective, right? And he's like forgetful yeah. and everything. But he's not yeah. as flamboyant. He's not as fun as Confessions. Yeah. Sam Rockwell. Right. And so I think he's got both of those those angles that he could pull into it. You know, back in school, this guy, uh, one of my friends got an internship at a, an agency and they were they had some writers. So he shared with me some scripts and they were two of the worst written scripts I think I've ever read. One was the worst, but he did show me the Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. So I was reading through the script back in the you know mid 90s. Like, is this real? Does he think it's right. real? Cause this is not right, real, right? right? This, this is not happen. And he's oh, it's based it's based on you know his own story about how he thought. And the other script he gave me was was I thought was the most juvenile, childish script I'd ever written. And it was and the title of it was Ten Thousand Dollar Budget Movie. Think Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Think Animal House. And that was the title of this on the script because they didn't think anyone reading it Get would get farther that. than that. But they're like. Yeah, so the t- working title was... So not even the treatment, but the actual, the script yep. itself had that. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. Ten, make them have been a $100,000 comedy. Think Animal House. Think Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And I'm reading through it. It's like, oh, these are all like fart nice. jokes. And a guy ejaculates into a bottle of beer. Oh, you know, who wrote like some juvenile read? And I realized that a couple of years later that I was reading American Pie. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Which became the franchise. I thought you were going to say super bad, which that's just basically super bad too. No, oh, this is way, this is way old. This is way old. Um, so yeah, and that that made Jennifer Coolidge a yeah. star. Oh yeah, so, a trilogy, I think, right? At least, at least a trilogy. Jokes on me, Stifler's mom. Oh yeah, um, award-winning now, award-nominated this year award-winning for uh, actress for White Lotus. Yeah. yeah, she went up there and she thanked them. Yeah. She said, "You guys gave me an opportunity." And I would play Stifler's mom for eight more movies. Good for her. Good for her. And jokes on me. So good. I mean, sometimes you read a thing, you think there's no way. There's no way this is going to be a movie. But my 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 friend was like, "Yep, yeah, it's going to be a movie, man." And now, evidently, that guy is a big no cryptozoologist himself. Amazing. A uh, friend of ours. His name is Ronnie LeBlanc. Okay. And he is a major. Sasquatch TV personality. Now I had no idea until uh, a month ago. That's good. So it all comes back around. All right, we we're in hour forty five, so maybe we keep these brief for what else we've been playing. Let's combo what else we've been playing into the recommendation station. So books, TV, movies, people. What do you recommend? My quick recommendation is Persona 3 and 4 have joined Persona 5 on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, check them out. They are phenomenal Ah. games. Start at 3? No, you don't need to do order. Order. In fact, if if I told you an order, I would say start with 4. 4 might be the strongest of them overall. 5 is my favorite, but 4... Five has, I think, the better plot for the better characters. Um, yeah. Okay. And then five right. is just really snazzy, pretty game, like all all style. 
it's great fusion acid jazz uh, soundtrack for the entire game where every song bleeds into the next. Um, and it's it's brilliant. What, work. what kind of game is it? It's an, an RPG, a Japanese role playing game. And what is that kind of game? It's more than that, oh. though, isn't it? It's got some dungeon crawler elements, um, but it's also got life sim elements. But it's also hyper stylized, hyper like just animated up the wazoo. Yeah, exactly. And like mechs and crazy fighting and uh, diarrhea Christmas lights action scenes. Mm-hmm. Right. Where there's just like it's a lot happening. I've just seen it been played. I've never played it myself, but it's overwhelming to me. Yeah, it's, it's also aware of those tropes and commenting on them. So, for example, one of the characters is a cat, like a literal magic talking cat, uh, which is a a theme within anime and manga. And at one point you you enter into this other world where everyone kind of turns into a different version of themselves and the cat turns into a bus. And they're like, wait, wait, why okay. are you a bus? Cat He's bus. like, well, evidently a lot of people just think of cats and buses as being connected. And that that line is just about uh, uh, my neighbor Totoro and the cat bus from there and about. Yeah, yeah, evidently that's not the only one. Evidently, there are dozens of examples of cats and buses being linked in anime. And it's just making a joke about the trope. Like, yeah, you know, evidently that's a thing. I love it. That's fun. Uh, recommendations say, I guess, what else have we been playing is going to be mine, uh, which is uh, playing Piku Niku, which is a little game where you play these two little cartoon dots and you race around and run around. It's a little co-op game. I play with my kids. We love it. It's great. You can kick each other. It's really fun, uh, which I also found out when I was doing research is a Devolver game because, of course, everything is. Everything is. Playing God of War about halfway through the first one, the 28, not the first one. It's like the fourth one. The 2018 God of War. Going to play Ragnarok in a few months, uh, but playing with Tyler and Nick. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful game. It's just like, it's it's the kind of setup to the game or the conceit of the game, I guess, is that it's it's a wonder. The whole 20 hours is that other than pausing the game for a pause menu, the entire thing, there's no between cutscenes and playing the games, there's no cuts at all. It's just seamlessly put together and it's there's a lot of cutscenes and a lot of playing. So the fact that it goes so smoothly between them is, is really cool and kind of a fun little nod every time it does that. It does it really well. Uh, and then played Tunic, which I think is a future month game. We've definitely talked about it before. Yes, I think it was on it was either free or on sale recently. So I picked it up and been playing with the kids and it's super simple. It's like Zelda type um, game, really, where you have like a shield and a sword Zelda in a lot of ways. Uh, but it's isometric in that like top down three quarter view. And it's simple as far as like you can hold your shield up or you can hit with your sword like, and you can drink your potions to get your life up like it's very simple control. So the kids play it and it's really fun to just like it feels very much like that old NES days where you like sit around and you each play for 10 minutes or play for a life. Right. You, until you die and then you give it to the next kid and then they die and they give it to the next kid. And you each play for like 10 or 15 minutes. So we've had, had that kind of experience with Tunic the last month or two has been really fun. Um, and then I think the last thing that really needs my recommendation, cause it's this like little unknown show that just came out on HBO last of us, you know, check it out. I don't know if you, if you have access to it, I don't know if it's in all areas, it might just be a regional thing, but, uh, it's really good and I really enjoy it and I love both the games. So, yeah. You know, I never played last of us, the game, so I've only started watching the show. Oh, nice. So what are your takes so far? Does the, what you're seeing, are you pulling episodes or, or scenes that you're like well that's taken right out of the game yeah is, is that good is that good i think is it's it bad i think it's good jason doesn't care and that so that's right. here. <laughs> jason didn't, doesn't <laughs> like the last of us 
Uh, no. I would say I had to stop myself. I was texting with a buddy. We were watching it at the same time in different areas. And we were like texting a couple times. And there was half of our texts were like, oh, that's just like the game. Oh, that's just like the game. So it's almost like being on like a Disneyland yeah. ride where you're like, oh, yeah, I remember when uh, Pinocchio did that. I remember when Pinocchio did that. And so it's like, I don't know. Okay. That's not good in itself, even though that's exciting for people that yeah. played the game. So it's really hard for me to separate. Like I'm constantly asking myself, like, is this good or is it just good to me? You know what I mean? I'm like, I love these characters so much. I spent 50 plus hours with them over the two games. And so I'm like, I love this. This could be really bad. And I think I would still love it. But the fact that all the reports from HBO, it's only one episode out so far, um, where that it was watched by a lot. And those numbers usually go up over the first four or five episodes. Yeah. So I watched the first one. I liked it. I liked it as a setup, but I'm not sure where they're, you know. I don't know where they're going. It's a zombie. It's zombie story, yeah. so it's really it could get weird you know, and and cheesy pretty easily, which is Walking yeah. Dead did that a little bit. And so I think I'm glad that they got out of Boston so quickly. I was afraid after the first half hour it would just be like stuck in the 2003 timeline for a full episode, yeah. and then do like an episode or two in Boston and like really slow. So I'm glad that that first yeah. episode was long, but I'm glad that they're just like okay, here's the setup. Let's go have our adventures and and do some more story stuff, which is nice. But I don't have that. a recommendation for a game because I uh, I have not played any games uh, except, <laughs> except I, this game. I the only game except for this game. I mean, I, I play my South Park phone destroyer game and that's the only thing I've been committed to for the last two years. Right. Got in a little bit late, but I just do it uh, and I don't because I, I just need a game I can travel with. Yeah. I don't take a console. I don't I've, I've tried taking the switch with me. And I, nothing ever happened. I don't. I never bring really? it out. It just stays there. But I have my phone. Yeah, it's just the way it goes. So I have to have like a free afternoon where I I'm home. And so this is a great time because I have I've been home for like a week. Nice. And it's perfect time to do that. On the other side, I've run out of shows to watch right now. So I've started going. I've started rewatching Silicon Valley this week, and I think I made it. I'm already on season four again. Awesome. Of that because it just goes by so fast. You know when you're just watching it through. You're you're picking up things about the characters, and then I, I I've started watching like uh, a League of Their Own. Oh yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, That's it's fun. an interesting series. I wouldn't say it, it's it's like the movie at all. So if you enjoy the movie, this is a different vehicle. But I think what I would recommend if you haven't seen it is the series Let the Right One In. I've enjoyed that quite a bit because I did like the movies. I even like the American version. Oh, nice. Let the Right One In is a Showtime series. Ooh. And it's... Um, I feel like so many things happen on Showtime I just don't know about for years later. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it tells you... It goes more into like... The, the show Let the Right One In picks up 10 years where a father and his vampire daughter have been on the run. And he's trying to find a cure. And that's their relationship. Her familiar is her father. Um, wow. And they just go from there. So they have some great acting and it's... Uh, they just wrapped up the first season a couple months ago i think and i recommend that i enjoy that quite a bit but video game wise i'm just waiting for you guys to give me the rec- next recommendation yeah i i want to do yeah. a show where there's the father daughter um and the the daughter is a zombie or a vampire or something like that and the, the father is going across the country searching for the cure and someone asks him about it and he's like oh no no no, she's she's fucked i'm looking for the robert smith band just trying to find them oh. <laughs> painful ben fine you're wow. angry. Wow. You're angry. Uh, Jason, you should watch Station Eleven. Oh, Station Eleven. Yeah. Are they going to do another season of that? Or did they, was that limited? Because it, 
I feel like they wrapped it up. I, I just need things. so many assurances that it's better than the book because I wasted so many hours. Of well, uh, I, I would never say to read a book, so that wasn't for me. But uh, uh, Station Eleven was a fast read, though. It's like a short. Yeah, but it wasn't a good read. Wow. It depends. Yeah, I guess it depends what you're hoping for. And yes, the book is different. The movie, the the show is different than the book, and they won't they won't handmaids hand, yeah, handmaids tell you done. and try to stretch it into. Okay, that's the probably the problem with most of those is you just can't. You just can't keep the character. Even Orange is the New Black. I love they did such a good job of keeping you interested in the side characters. But you realize that you're you just can't keep your major character in that role. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's the draw. That was Walking Dead, too. Right. I loved all the Walking Dead stuff, the main sheriff character and like follow reading along with the comics and how they diverged in season three, four, where somewhere in there. It was like, oh, this is just the same plot over and over. And they're not really changing that much other than just like. The people they meet are more evil than the last people they met. It took them like what ten seasons to to replace them. But that was another cool thing about Last of Us is that they they've said that this is going to be season one is the first game, season two is the second game, and that's it. Because oh, they did the same thing. They're okay. like, we don't want to be churning out new stories. We if we do more stories, there'll be a third game first. But we want this to just be the stories of the games in a new media form. So like that's cool. That's respectable. I think. I guess that's that's yeah. refreshing. Yeah, you can have these short. These short seasons, you don't have to go multiple yeah. American 13, you know, American style 10, 10 seasons to make a profit, I guess. Hopefully it's better art that way. Limited, limited series, yeah. they're calling yeah, it. Yeah, limited exactly. series, yeah. right? I, I enjoy those. If I know that's what I'm getting into, it's a limited series. If we all agree this story is going to be wrapped up. Yeah. I feel like they could have fixed so many movies if they'd gone back, made them limited series, TV show. There's no need to try to stretch this out because you go into a, something like that thinking there's going to be an answer right. right at the end. Like this playing this video game. If there was no end, if I got to the end of this video game and said picking up on, you know, you know uh, in Disco Elysium 2, <laughs> right. I'd feel like the I got ripped off. I want there to be. Yeah, was, they got to tie this yeah, up. Yeah. And I think video games understand that. Yeah, Ben, you need to watch The Leftovers. It's done. Oh, The Leftovers. Yeah, they had a good, good way to end it. I it's too bleak, dude. Too bleak for me. I tried. I I got through the first three episodes. It was just like I I wasn't suicidal when I started, and I was like on the edge by uh -huh. that. Was, that's why I, I don't know the connections within Last of Us and the hope within Station Eleven are the two things that got me through. And I, there was like no relationships that I cared about in Leftovers. It was like everyone's just sad and hates each other. So I don't know. I couldn't do it, but I could try again. But I, I hope that you do because it's. It builds on that bleakness, right? By by destroying and leveling down, it then builds community and hope on top of that. And they learned how to they learned how to end a, a series yes. uh, better than Lost. Yeah. So, um, all right, when you realize you've been dead the whole time, I mean that's the ultimate. There's nothing better than that. <laughs> we realize it was given away in that Thirty Rock episode where uh, right. Jenna says, "Oh, it's all in Hurley's mind." Yes, I mean people oh, so people good. talk up the pilot so much and talk about like what a good pilot but like why crash on an island then if you're such a good pilot wow mm. yeah. <laughs> thank you man which makes all thank those other you. shows all those other manifests a good pilot would never crash his plane right that's right. so stupid crash in the that's ocean so stupid right. land it in the people, ocean people talking about the people that's you know. a good pilot right there i'd watch that show don't get lost how about that did you just make that up no, I heard it somewhere else. Did you? Oh, okay. That's good. I like I that. wedged it in here. It's got layers. I love it. Yeah. Lost ruins all the other good plane crash movies. It really does. Uh, or TV shows. 
Uh, anything no, else? Yeah. No. Do we need to say any more with Keo before he takes off, though? No. Thank you so much for being here, man. Hey, this has been really fun. I appreciate it. And I hope that Corey uh, hates another game in the future. Maybe she I'll will. I guarantee spend some more time will. with you guys down the road. That'd be great. Well, we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> Next month, we are playing Beacon Pines. Next month's game. So go check that out. Uh, so yeah, check out Beacon Pines. It's available everywhere. Go do it. If it's not, I apologize. And I think after, I, I think a couple of games we're looking forward to this year, maybe not a couple, but another one, we're going to have Tyler back on the pod for we've been talking about uh, is Star Wars Survivor. Yeah. Those trailers and things came out in the past couple of weeks. So that looks dope. We will play that soon. I think it comes out in February or March. It's coming wow. out soon. So a couple weeks. Uh, but we'll be playing that, uh, whether it's a, on the pod or not. Um, probably both. I think that's all we have. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks again to Keo. Thanks again to Jason. Um, thanks, you know, thanks to everyone. Thanks to Hannah. Thanks to Megan. Thanks to Corey. Everyone. Uh, and if you're one of our Patreon supporters, thank you to you. You get this podcast a week early. If you if you give us five bucks a month, you want to check out even a dollar a month. We would really, really appreciate your uh, your support there. Patreon.com slash M-O-L-M-M month it is. Uh, and as always, you can email us at Mulfpod at gmail.com M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D at gmail.com As always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. Uh, and I am a disco pirate. And the people who built this world intended it to be better for you. But they failed. It's easier to live with their failure with this. 